appearing at the Atlanta Improv <laughs> October 16th, 17th, and 8th. That's how my daughter does punchlines. So my good. former, my four-year-old, rather. My former. My four-year-old uh, daughter. She goes, what kind of tree grows in your hand? A palm tree. <laughs> And then she'll hit the same punchline over and over, over again. Over and over? Yeah, it's hilarious. Do it really, I want, do it with uh, formality, and uh, I want enthusiasm. Appearing at the Atlanta Improv! <sighs> it's the one and only Brian motherfucking Callan. October 16th, 17th, and 18th. God damn it, I have to sneeze. No way, the kid, the kid, what, dude, in the middle of my... I'm gonna... Ah, damn it. In the middle, Brian Callen, Brian the Kid, I'll be the crowd. <laughs> Brian the Kid, no way, in person. Oh. I hear he's way better looking and super athletic. He's beautiful. I hear the way he moves. He's beautiful on the inside, too. There it is. I don't mean his butt. I mean his soul. Oh, Jesus. Adorable. October 16th, 17th, and 18th, the Atlanta Improv. If it's like any of the other improvs, it's awesome. The Improv is the premier comedy club chain in the country. And... If you're nowhere near Atlanta, if you happen to be in Philadelphia or Washington, D.C., I'm at the Tower Theater on Friday, October 7th in Philadelphia, and then um, at the Warner Theater on Friday, uh, on Saturday, rather, October 18th. Both of those gigs, uh, the, the October 18th one in Washington, D.C., the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C., both those gigs are with Ian Edwards. So the 17th Very in Philadelphia. Guy. Oh, he's awesome. I love he's Ian. fucking legit awesome. high-level headliner. Yep. Um, so Philadelphia, October 17th, and then Washington, D.C., October 18th. That's for me. And Brian Callen is October 16th, 17th, and 18th. And Brian Callen is back in motherfucking civilization. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen. Five days in the rain, Ugh. sleeping on a slant, pooing outside. I'm not sick, but I do have something going on with my nose. Well, it's, the, it's L.A. air after all that pristine. Yeah. We got dropped off. 1,300 feet above sea level in a seaplane. Took three planes. In a seaplane, get dropped off on a lake, a mountain lake that you could drink out of, which we did drink we out of. We drank out of the lake. That's how clean it is. Yeah, it's a it's rainwater. Yeah, it's made of rain. There's not even any fish in that lake, yeah. which is really crazy. It's weird, right? It's a huge lake, and it's there's no rivers that go into it. And there's also several lakes on Prince of Wales Island. I mean, maybe there's a couple of fish in there I don't know about, but we didn't see any. We no. didn't, and you, it's clear, crystal clear. clear water. And there's several layers. Like some of them are up high, and other ones are like you know a, a few hundred feet below it. There's another lake. It's really weird. Also, when you're hiking through that terrain, you'll cut through the woods and like just cutting through this rainforest, and then you just come across this clearing with another little pond or lake. It's like Shangri-La, yeah. man. Everywhere there's lakes. It yeah. gets more rain, <clears throat> more rainfall than any other place in America. It's 160 inches of rainfall. Apparently, Renella said it's one of the biggest islands in America, next to the Hawaiian it's Islands. Bigger. It's bigger than the big Hawaii island. Prince of Wales Islands, I believe, is but actually that, that's bigger. what our friend Matt said. It's crazy. That's what Matt said. But I believe Renella said it was half the size of the Hawaiian. Oh, okay. Islands. I don't oh, like, know. Okay, let's find out. Let's find out how big it is. Prince of Wales. We spent we spent our entire time in basically wet, even though you're wearing rain gear and nothing dries out. Nothing. First day my shirt got wet, it never dried out. Yeah, it's the fourth largest island after Hawaii, Kodiak, and it's one tenth the size of Ireland. Whoa! Slightly larger than the state of Delaware. That's crazy. And oh, yeah. by the oh, and 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 very important. Didn't see any. Didn't see any. Basically, Here. you'd be. You'd be. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge island, man. Three planes to get there. I, I'm looking through my binoculars. 
How many deer? I saw one. Yeah, there wasn't well, I saw a lot two, of deer. Two does, which I couldn't shoot. We, it was not one. We buck. can't. According to Ranello, we went there at a bad time, which is fucking weird since he was the guy hosting the goddamn show yeah that means the deer <laughs> right that means the deer even the deer were like this sucks let's go to lower uh, land the deer were like it's too rainy and windy here let's let's move down even yeah. the deer were like see ya yeah the deer went towards the ocean like, and the apparently. humans with their fire sticks we uh we saw very few animals but it was still unbelievably beautiful and it was so clean. That's the weirdest thing about the air there. It was so clean that when we got to LA, we both were like, "Ew." We smelled the air. I almost like, panicked. My nose closed up immediately. For yeah. real. Remember, we were at the airport. I mean, granted, we were in traffic, but I, I was sh- shocked. My system went what? Started closing down. Well, we were breathing in this moist, clear air. Yeah. Drinking clean water. Look. I'll take this over that every fucking day of the week, first of all. I just want to get that out of the way. Like, especially because we didn't have a house. We were camping. And if you've ever camped in the rain, you might be able to pull it off for a day. You might be able to pull it off for two days. But once you start getting to that fifth day, oh, God, does it suck a fat one. You know what was happening to me? I became, I was becoming like a fetish, fetishistic, whatever the word is, about my gear, like how how to keep everything dry. And I was even like making my sandwiches secretly in the tent. I, I would steal away. Remember when you said you were like, were you making sandwiches? I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you took mayonnaise and bread and meat and went into your, your, went yeah. your tent. and I hid and I was like, fuck those guys. I'm eating a sandwich. <laughs> I'm eating a dry sandwich, those assholes. I was turning on the whole camp. Well, I got a little bit better at figuring out how to deal with the rain but at one point you know we wore these headlamps so they're like they're like like a mining hat sort of thing on the yeah. top of your forehead <laughs> you have this light and it's attached to a strap and i turned it on i turned my strap on inside the tent and it was like a sea of dew like the inside of the tent like yeah. everywhere you look it was like it was raining these microscopic drops yeah. of water it was like looking out into a downpour a microscopic drop downpour. So there's these tiny little drips everywhere. But the inside of the tent was filled with moisture. Yeah. Everything. Your sleeping like, bag was wet. My sleeping bag had a sheen. Yeah. 51 like you, degrees. It's really fun to sleep in that. Oh, it's a good time. You could take your hand and you rub it over the top of my sleeping bag and your hand would be wet. Right. And the inside was wet. Like my hands got wet. Wool is fucking amazing yep okay if you're wearing cotton out there in this kind of weather you're really fucked but wool is an incredible material when you're wearing wool wool somehow or another even if the clothes are wet you retain heat yeah it's really it's the, incredible. It's the oils in the wool, I guess, and also wool wicks away moisture from the body for whatever reason. But does it? Because I st- I get, it must. I don't know. It must wick away, but not it totally. It dries quickly. You ever yeah. notice that? Like mm-hmm. apparently. It dries quickly, but they say cotton kills. If you're in wet, cold environments and you're hiking or whatever and you wear cotton, you will. You, that's how people die. Yeah, because you sweat yeah. and then you get wet and then you get freezing cold. Yeah. Like We were in a constant state of when you're hiking. First of all, we're, we're following. You weren't, but I was. 
following Steve the Billy Goat Ranella, okay? <laughs> this fucker does this shit 365 days a year. I'm lucky that I'm in good shape, and lucky also that I work my legs out like crazy. Yeah. Those poor guys like, oh, I guess you skipped leg day. You ever see those guys? <laughs> yes. They're like, they look like a meatball with yeah. two, They'd be two sticks. They'd, They'd be, be fucked. Terrible hunting bodies. Yeah, my, I, I work my legs out more than any other part of my body because of kickboxing, and I, I just, I'm always doing squats, and I'm always doing, so my legs really didn't get tired, even though it was five days of pretty intense hiking but my cardio got tested seriously oh, and yeah. i was sweating like a fucking pig so you'd get to the top of this first of all i didn't layer it right like when we talked to Mating, uh one of our friends that we met down there shout out to Mating. shout the out Latvian to Latvian prince the, all the Latvians. and Giannis and Giannis's yeah. brother another shout out to shout my out guide. to our friend dean our, our uh our, our english friend dean yep great fucking guy all the people there mike shout out to mike from austin cool fucking crew just a gr Dan great Doty. Shout out to fucking awesome. Dan the Beautiful the Doty. Awesome Dan Doty. Everybody is beautiful. It's a great cat. Like, we had a fucking legitimately awesome time. And yep. It's one of the most miserable conditions the world. We laughed. Yeah. We laughed the whole time. Other than, like, freezing cold, <laughs> the, it's the most miserable. Because yes. you're just drenched all the time. Yeah. You know, I guess, actually, I would take that, honestly, over, like, desert conditions. Like, 130 degrees. That would, might be a nightmare. Yeah, there's would, no water. Yeah. But my hands were pruning. My, my hands yeah. were, were so wet for so long. Forget gloves, by the way. Your hands are just going to be they don't, wet. Yeah, it doesn't They look like work. they've been in a pool for, you know, two days. But those, again, those first light, those wool gloves, the fucking wool, even though your hands are wet, it yeah. keeps your hands warm. It's yep. really weird. I don't know how it works. Well, first Light is a company that sponsors uh, L-I-T-E, First Light. They sponsor the Meat Eater Podcast. We got a bunch of their gear, and our friend Ryan Callahan works for them. And everything they make is merino wool. And I was like, why is this wool? Like, what the yeah. fuck is wool? Yeah. Wool is the shit. It's the if shit. In cold weather, you got to get wool. And layer. Layer yeah. up. Because you keep warm. Actually, people wear really tight stuff is the wrong thing to do. You want to keep an air pocket around your body that's how animals keep warm so martin was telling me you should really wear very little when yep. you go out and then keep everything else in your pack that would have been the smart thing to do i didn't do it that way i put all the layers on so by the time i got to the top of the mountain i'm fucking i'm literally drenched my legs are drenched my upper body's drenched and then you have to sit down and you glass so glassing means you use your binoculars so you sit down you're looking for deer who are there there are no deer no there's no fucking deer, deer. no so, okay so we're sitting there looking for deer freezing my dick completely off and you do well in the cold but I, that's the first time i've ever seen you shiver yeah like you were shaking you were so cold one time when you, i think it was the morning you came in yeah and you were like because you had been you've been spent all night wet yeah and you came in and, and i was like i was like i knew you were too much to say anything but i was literally like get him a get him a thermos full of hot water to put in his jacket because he's i actually got a little protective over you oh sweetie well you were like you were shaking man yeah I mean, that it was, was definitely shaking it was no joke it's it was cold i mean in the morning it was probably in the 40s it was it was yeah. not the most fun being wet and cold but it, i'm telling you it's better than being hot as, as weird as it sounds it sucks a fat dick but you could warm up just by running up hills yeah like if i wanted to like while i was freezing i could have just went fuck 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 and just right. went running up a hill and i would have been warm by the time i got Keep to the moving. top of the hill yeah, yeah i would have been sweating again but the art uh, that, that that there is an art to learning how to like Matting said you climb the mountain he'll climb to the top of the mountain t-shirt and one layer yeah. sweats takes that t-shirt right off and puts two layers on that are yeah. dry that's smart. And then puts that t-shirt back on when it's come time to come down. And look, we did this shit for 
on purpose. We did it for fun, for the adventure, because we love Ranella and we love the show and all the guys on the show. But those fucking cameramen, those guys who work on that show, Mike and Dean and 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 well, Dodie's the producer, but Dan Dodie's also a cameraman. Those guys that work on that show, Dodie's a director too now and a producer. Yeah, but those guys that work on that fucking show, god damn, they have a hard job. Yeah, they do. Those they guys, really they're just getting paid. They're getting paid. That's what they do every week. Every yeah. week, they're camping somewhere. Yeah. Freezing. Yeah. Hungry. You know where they're going next? They're going to the jungle. They're going down to fucking- Bolivia or something? Yeah, some crazy shit. Where bugs, where you get- where I said, Dan, are there things to worry about? He goes, he's been to the Amazon a number of times. He goes, oh, yeah. I said, like what? He goes, snakes, spiders, scorpions, and bugs you've never seen before. Bugs that can change people your life. don't know about, by yeah. the way. <sighs> By the way, whenever Brian Counts here, I, by the way, you see myself that? to death. I know. It's contagious. It's by, like, hashtag, by the way. It's like when Brody Stevens is here, you go, enjoy it. Yes. Enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> you can't help yourself. Um, but They have that banana spider down there, right? Or is that in, in the Philippines? I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of fucked up spiders in the Amazon. They have thousands of things that people have never even discovered. They're always finding new species of bugs down there. Yeah. Things that defy explanation. They. Uh, I don't like line, bugs, man. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm okay with other stuff. I'm not. I'm not okay with bugs. Like I. I like. I'll deal with like grizzlies. Like okay, there's a grizzly. I mean, you'd be scared, but bugs are the intangible. Like some huge stinging wasp that can fuck that or a spider that puts you in a necrosis like can you know like the br the brown, brown recluse, recluse. your 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 skin starts to decay jeremy horn had one of those Ugh. and it left like a golf ball size hole in his leg good he left a fucking hole it just ate through his leg fair to lance when snakes bite you that happens that you you have to this guy got bit in the foot by a fair to lance which means which by the way i believe means sort of fire fair de lance it's French. Faire de lance. Faire being fire. Faire attention, c'est un sphère de lance, un serpent, faire de lance. By the way, Brian Callen did several characters over the time. One of the reasons why I love uh, going on these trips with Brian is because it becomes a giant five-day comedy. <laughs> it becomes the Brian well, Callen show. Well, dude, it's, my, it's a captive audience. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Where the fuck are you going to go? But it's also your style of humor. Yeah. It's like, that's what you do. Like, when there's a, a group of guys around, all of a sudden, I mean, you would think that you would get tired of gay jokes after five days no because he's got a bunch of different gay characters of course There's ivan the russian ivan the russian who makes you eat salad for many days before he fucks you in the ass because he wants your asshole clean you gotta have a clean asshole you have, to, you, have to, you have to keep clean your asshole has to be clean it the, just salad i smack you this this video of him explaining to steve runella what he wants runella's diet to be like Dodie's thinking about putting it online, like somehow or another figuring out Do how to it. put it online Do in like it. an unnamed way. It's mostly because I have you as an audience, and there's you're one of the best laughers. <laughs> I, I just realized that after knowing you for 20 years, I was like, uh, you know what? I think he might be one of the greatest laughers because you, you cackle. You literally, when you're laughing, you literally go ha 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 ha. It's H A H A H A H A. How the fuck? It's seductive to me. I, I'm literally. It's seductive. And then those guys are those guys are such good audiences too. Well, it's just you know, we, we were talking about how some comedians are just not good at being like an audience member. And one of the things that, like when Brian and I first met, Brian was on this show called Mad TV and I was uh, a guest on the show. And Brian and I were hanging out in the cafeteria, we were eating dinner. And while we were eating dinner, Brian was making me laugh. He was cracking me up. But we were with a few other actors, and instead of laughing at Brian, they were trying to one-up him. Yeah. And I was like, ew, this is so <laughs> gross. Like, you can't even just let a guy be funny. Like, 
it's one thing if like comedy in those cer- certain circumstances is like it's it's a t- totally intuitive thing it's like you have to know if you actually have something funny to say or not like and if if there's something funny that you can do you got to feel it and you just got to run with it and no one can understand it no one no one can explain when something's going to be funny and when something's not going to be funny yeah. it's completely totally instinctive but what these guys were doing was like being like ultra super calculated and competitive they weren't really listening right no. they weren't being affected I was thinking about, you, you know, it's it, this very underrated quality when you have a friend who can really laugh at the, at things. Oh, at yeah. That's a, that's a really fun thing to have that. around. Yeah. yeah Bravo is great for that. That's a really, you know, that's a really, really um, pleasant thing to be around. My, my sister was my first audience. My sister couldn't laugh her ass off at things. She was the, I remember as a kid her laughing really hard at me, cackling. And I was like, oh, I think I might be funny. That was the first. <laughs> that was the first thing where I was like, my sister actually laughs at me. Maybe I can do this. You know, that's funny, man. Yeah, that's funny. So from Montana to Wisconsin to now, well, we failed in this attempt. This is the only time. Well, I shouldn't say that because the TV show is going to air. Whoops! Cats out of the bag. Great show either way. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. But um, th- we had a great time in every circumstance. Like even though we're in like one of the worst, most d- uncomfortable positions you could find yourself in. Like co- constantly drenched, no hope in sight. Your only hope for like shelter is this cloth house that you're sleeping in. That's the size of a a small car. Right. You know, you're climbing into a VW bug that's yeah. a cloth house and inside it you're wet. Yeah. And that's your shelter. And you know? it's not an even surface. Good luck finding an even surface in Alaska. Everything hurt too, man. Like when I would get up, my back would hurt, my neck would hurt, my shoulders would hurt because yeah. I have to sleep on my side. You know, so I'm Well, to- you know, the first two days I, I was so tired from hiking, my my legs and my hips because I hadn't had any of my back. I'm a bitch. I'm not as stout as you are. I'm simply not as stout. What's, I prepared for this. Remember when I was going to bed? You were like, you're going to bed? I was like, no, I'm just going to go to my... I have to just work on... I'm going to go just read. I have to take care of something. I was literally out, dude. Yep. Yeah, you were snoring. Um, I really prepared for this. Like, I'm, I always work out, but I did a lot of um, uh, stair climber for this. You're a dick, man. I didn't do shit. Come of on, course bro. you did. That's smart. And I did a lot of elliptical on, like, very heavy... Uh, like, I put the elliptical on, like, number 21 oh. and just fucking... Oh. <sighs> and I'll do sprints. Yeah. Well, I, I should have done that. I knew. I should have uh, just run hills with a pack on my back. Well, also, I did a lot of bodyweight squats. Wow. Bodyweight squats and pistol squats. Pistol squats mm-hmm. important because there's a lot of times you're picking yourself up with one leg. Yeah. You know? Like you're, uh, you're, you're, we were, first of all, I don't know how you guys did it, but Ronello will climb up some treacherous fucking surfaces. The, well, they told me that, the, the, Giannis told me that we were moving at a, at a sim, of simple pace, like not a str- hard pace. He goes, and he said, you have no idea how fast, Ren-. he goes, have you ever been with Ronello? I said, no. I said, you have no idea how fast he moves. And, and and that's when they said it. I said we we were literally at a, moving at our own time. Well, and Remy Remy <laughs> Warren. I don't know if they've ever tested Ronella's cardio, but Remy, who's also a big time hunter, he hunts three hundred days a year. He's got that show Solo Hunter, and he's got a a few shows that he's working on right now with Dan Doty, a fascinating guy. Um, but he's his cardio is so good; it's at like elite endurance athlete levels. Wow. Like they tested his cardio, and his VO two max is like 
off the charts. And it's because he's usually got 100 pounds of elk on his back, and he's climbing uphill, and it's 9,000 fucking feet elevation. And he's do he does that all the time. That's crazy. Because he lives in Reno, and he's he does a lot of his hunts. A lot of his hunts are mountain hunts. He does mountain hunts in New Zealand during the off-season. He's constantly climbing up mountains. Yeah. So your your lung capacity and your, your ability- <laughs> Different kind of shape. It's a different thing. Because you're also doing it all day. Well, Vanel well, yeah. was telling me that he took these bodybuilders out with him, these powerlifter guys, God. and then there's uh, big, strong guys, and you know, so like, what we're gonna do is gonna require, you know, a lot of endurance, and this like, guys like, we're fu we're in incredible shape, don't worry about it. He said, literally, thirty minutes in, they were throwing up. Thirty minutes in, wow. He's like, this is a long day. Like, wow. do you understand that we're gonna do this for eight hours, and you're throwing up? Because when you have, if you look at a guy like Renella, okay, Renella probably weighs. 165, 170, yeah, 165. somewhere around there. He's a lean, thin six, guy. Six, one, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lean and thin and been doing it his whole life. So, and his specialty is mountain hunting. So he's constantly climbing, which is great because he can give you all the tips on like gear and what, what kind of shoe. It makes a big goddamn difference. I yeah. had two different types of shoes. One, you know, because I knew that they were probably going to get soaked. And one, which worked out really good, the Schneez and these other ones that I won't name that sucked a fat one. They were terrible. They just were slippery. They, just, <laughs> they didn't have the same kind of grip. And, you know, if you listen to Renell, he'll like give you like the lowdown. This is the shit to wear. Get this because of that get that because mm. of this but his body his doesn't have a lot of mass you know i weigh 30 pounds more than him so i'm shorter than him i weigh 30 pounds more than him and i'm carrying a pack and a gun and all these things a i'm not used weight, to yeah. and you you know you're constantly trying to go like if you're bigger than that like a big power builder guy a big power lifter one of those yeah. 250 pound characters yeah. that extra 50 pounds will fucking sap your heart man it's well, how did they do how did, he, how did they do terrible they? yeah they were throwing up a half an hour in they were done <laughs> well I mean, he's like literally they were like you know an hour into the trip they're stopped hands on their knees <laughs> <laughs> they're not, they don't train for it it's different no. body type well power lifters are terrible like when you you see him like doing jujitsu this guy marius pujanowski you know who he is yeah i, I know super strongest fucking, man in the world for yeah. a while just unbelievable brute of a man yeah started fighting mma yep. and tim sylvia who has like tim's a great fighter but he does not have a good body mm -hmm. you know sorry tim if you're listening i mean look he when he was in his best shape like versus rico rodriguez when he won the ufc heavyweight he's title. not hector lombard in other words he doesn't, he's not, yeah, he's doesn't have one of those it's just genetic yeah. it's just genetic it's 100 yeah. percent genetic i mean he's pigeon-toed that's genetic i mean i think unless kelly starrett says that it's not he's probably right I, I've always felt like people who walk like that, it's just the way they're born, but yeah. it, I bet that could be corrected. He thinks it's emulating. Kelly, Kelly, who created this crazy ball that you're supposed to roll in your back, this wad, I forget what this is called, workout of the day, I forget what this is called, supernova, that's what it's called. Mm. This is the latest and greatest of those things that you roll on to, uh, to massage your like back. Oh. Oh, I, I bought three of these. They're fucking amazing. I don't want to go anywhere with that one. Yeah. I, one of um, Mark Delagrate's students gave me this. And uh, I just started ordering them to leave them in the office, to leave them around the house. They're amazing. Awesome. But um, anyway, Sylvia, who is not a bodybuilder, he's not a power lifter, he's just a really strong guy. He fought Pujanowski and beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Because he, he tired yeah. him, dragged him into deep water, and then fucked him up. Which Pujanowski's goddamn crazy for challenging Tim Sylvia, former UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah, that's after, like, that is nuts. He had like two MMA Sylvia fights. Sylvia light him up. And I he's had, built like this. It's really weird. To, you're talking about this because today... I, uh, my wife was having uh, breakfast with um, 
the wife of two former NFL like greats or really good players, giants. Andre Carter, who played for 13 years as a defensive end, he's 6'5", 250. Looks like he doesn't, he's just like a different kind of human being. And Marval Smith, who was a uh, tackle for the Steelers for like 10 years. And they want to come hunting. She's like, oh, they would love to come hunting. And the first thing I thought was, these men are 250 and 320 pounds or whatever, respectively. And I don't know if they can, and with their knees after playing football for 13 years, it's going to be very hard for them to climb a mountain. Yeah, a lot of those guys, they're done when they're old. It's just different. It's it's just a different kind of thing. Well, it's also, when you have damage to those primary joints, hips and knees, you know, you you really see, like, the the loss of mobility is pretty goddamn substantial. Although, apparently, they have pretty amazing new artificial knees. Like, they're getting better and better at it. Yeah. Dude, they're growing dicks. What? Yes. I just, I just tweeted it today. And uh, they've done this for folks who have, um, you know, like issues. Microphalluses? <clears throat> or <clears throat> mutilation, injury, uh, yeah. circumcision injuries, things along those lines. Or which war, is, war injuries. And yeah, like anything that. along wow. those lines. Wait, so they're growing dicks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jamie, if you go to my uh, tweeter, tweeter, um, there's a dude named Vincent Salazar who, uh, Vincent Salazar 11. Yes. <clears throat> and it, it says, uh, it may not be, his his tweet to me is, it may not be a pill, but it will be a boob job for men. I don't know what he meant Well, maybe that. they're Laboratory printing, are they printing penises. out tissue the way they do with uh, other tissue? I didn't read it. I, oh. I gave it a cursory glance, but apparently they're about five years away. They look rather be- small there. I want to... Well, these are just cells, bro. Okay, I want... These are just cells. They're, I mean, they're five years away from being able to grow laboratory dicks. I want something with heft that, that folds over when I'm holding it to pee. I want it to fold like in half. I want it to have a lot left over. What about this? Would you take, like, say, do you think the dudes who have, like, medium-sized dicks are going to take a chance and get their dick lopped off and get a new one put on, hoping that their body's going to accept it? That's a very, very... Um, sacred p- part of a man, right? I mean, that's that's a huge like. If you were going into that as a venture capitalist with the assumption that men would do that, I would tell you not to put your money into it. I, th- I would tell you to put your money into it <clears throat> because there's some dudes out there with some one inch dicks. Well, that's a whole different story. But if you have a medium dick, yeah. I would imagine you know a medium dick. I, mean, I, I don't know what normal, that's like because my I got a dick, piece on me. You but. a giant. Dick. <laughs> but there was a guy. There was this guy that uh, was a performance artist, and part of his performance art was that he would take all his clothes off. And he had a dick that was, and I'm not bullshitting, the size of the last digit of it's my pinky. It was incredible. I've been in enough acting classes and seen enough nude scenes, and there are some dudes, and one dude who was just a macho guy, he was a hairdresser, and he did a naked scene, and I am telling you, I am telling you, I can see just the head of it in a, in a sea of black hair. Well, we Just had a dude on Fear Factor, poking. and there was a naked Fear Factor, the one and only naked Fear Factor, where uh, we got in trouble for it, because we made these people do a naked fashion show, where they took their clothes off, they went out on the <laughs> runway, and they spun around. And this one guy, was this fucking yoked up dude, looked like he was a, like a macho guy. He had the tiniest little Oh, no. And he talked about it beforehand. He's like, all right, here we go. And he went out there like a fucking stud. Good for him. Good God for bless him. him. You know what? Yeah. Hand to him. Yeah. He was like, you know what? Here's my dick. I got a personality, and I'm and I can bench more than everybody in this room. Well, he's like, you know, hey man, I, I didn't fucking fail dick school. Like, That's this right. is what I was born with. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, all good. But maybe he would lop it off and get one of these giant ones. 
Yeah, I mean, if you could add tissue to your to your wang. Hey, by the way, I wonder if it would most throw guys off your with twelve inch dicks would be like, well, I'll add another inch. No fucking way. Sure. No. Guys are silly. extreme. No, guys are like, yeah, I'll add some stuff. Well, to that it. would be like those crazy girls who have uh, breast implants that are just mm -hmm. un believably ridiculous well, like basketball sized and they can't they want to get them bigger that's a, a lot of guys that there's this there's a lot of guys and i don't know if it's just the gay community but that, that especially did it was two guys in the gay community who were shooting their dicks with silicone uh liquid silicone and saline too they do that right? yeah and so it created this and Ugh. the problem was it just created this amorphous blob that they would stuff into jeans Ugh. and they'd be like check this out sorry about my dick yeah, but sorry about my piece. Like lumpy, just stretching uneven, my Sergio Valentes. All fucking the outside of it is all pudgy and oh. dimpled. Oh, dimpled like cottage cheese dick. <clears throat> What's that bump? I don't know. Silicon Ugh. gone awry. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? Damn silicon, so unpredictable. I mean, you think about like like when people have uh, cellulite <laughs> on their legs. Imagine if you got that on your dick. Like you have a cellulite dick. Have you ever, like some of those medical journals, I sat next to a, a, um, a dermatologist, oh no, a plastic surgeon, um, and she was going through her um, iPad and she had pictures, and I was sitting next to her, she was asking me about acting, and I was, she was showing me the, and some of them, she, she was really, in a, she was covering the faces of these patients with her hand so I wouldn't see their faces, because she was that professional, even on a plane, she was trying to protect their privacy or whatever. I saw <clears throat> this guy had a growth on his body, on his shoulder. It looked like a, a, a shoulder pad of skin, of cauliflower. And I said, Why, wh how do you take that off? And she said, you don't. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, it's just too full of blood vessels. He would die. It's oh. just part of his body, and he has to have it. I go, so what, do you, he just leaves a giant flap of cauliflower on his back and shoulder? She said, yeah, unfortunately. It's just a deformity. Wow. And there's so many. You see those medical journals, and you're like, oh, boy. So people, you know, don't realize how lucky you are. Oh, just I to do. Be, After hiking in Canada, I yeah. do. Living oh, in yeah. civilization. Well, we're in Canada. We're in Alaska. I mean, Alaska. Alaska's Sorry. America. Sorry. Looks like it's Canada. Should be Canada. <laughs> it's British Columbia. is like around the corner. Right? Well, we stole it from Russia, right? Isn't that the deal? <clears throat> Probably. They can have it back. No. no fuck that. That place is awesome, man. No, Alaska. Good people in Alaska. Oh, the, well, that's one of the things that I realized when I went to uh, Anchorage with Ari. <laughs> when we went fishing and then we did uh, some shows up there at the, the Bear's Tooth. The um the thing about Alaska is that there's this insane wilderness around them and there's not a shit ton of people. So they, they develop this like different kind of community. It's like a, even though Anchorage is a real city, there's like a, a, a nice bond. I think it's because they have to they may have to rely on each other in a real oh, yeah. way. There's right? fucking bears. Look, dude, when we were in Anchorage, there was just that year a fucking kid on campus was killed by a moose. What? Yes! Whoa. Yes! Well, listen, we met a guy, Matt, uh, what's his last name? Um, Matt. Which guy? The guy who took care of us. Who? Matt from Alaska. Yeah, Matt from Alaska, who drove us to the airport, sent our bags, just did us a solid that most people would never do in LA. Matt Hamilton. Matt Hamilton. You handed him your... Very expensive, you know, yeah. stuff. Yeah, and he's well. He's a good dude. You know, yeah. you could you you get a sense of people like in these communities where they're they're just. 
it's not like the hustle and bustle of New York City yeah. where there's a million rats all stuck in a maze and everybody's fucking fighting for the last crumb of cheese and jammed up in traffic. No, these folks are fishing. That guy was offering us fucking halibut. You know, you want some? I got some frozen halibut. I got a deer. I can run yeah. back and get deer. I mean, that, that's he yeah. caught a hundred and sixty pound halibut. That's crazy. That's a person. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, and a halibut, it's like literally probably <clears throat> almost the size of this desk they were sitting at. I couldn't believe how big. It's like a giant flounder. Yeah. Looks well, like a flounder on It's in the flounder family, yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing, amazing part of the world. And the, the fishing there is just, the waters are so rich. Alaska truly is like the last wilderness, the last, last great wilderness. Yeah. I love those shows. Like I don't know if you ever watched them, but like they have Life a bunch Below of Zero yeah. And stuff? Do you watch those? I haven't watched any of them. Fucking great, man. Yeah. Life Below Zero is the best out of all those. There's Alaska, The Last Frontier, which is pretty good too. But I caught a little fuckery on that show. You did? Yeah, they're doing some fucking reality TV show bullshit. Uh, like they had a bear that was there, and they were running away from the bear, and um, they were fishing on this river. The guy and his wife were fishing on the river, and they're like, "We got to get away from this bear." The, the bear's eating filleted salmon, so they baited the bear. They that's, baited the bear to get there, and then they could film them. That's annoying. The bear's eating a salmon. I'm looking at these clean, like, fillet marks where the, 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 the fillets were removed from the body, but the head and the tail were remained. It wasn't anything that a bear did. Yeah. The bear didn't, like, catch that salmon and eat it there. And they didn't catch any salmon, so it was just bullshit. They're just bait. They're like, "Oh, the bears! We got to get out of here." You can kind of tell whenever it. they're acting a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate, but that that always happens on those goddamn shows, man. They they run out of shit to do. But what, life what below about, zero, um, they follow watch... five different people or yeah. six different people, and there's always something that these mm -hmm. people are doing because they have to prepare for like the river rising. They have to prepare for bears are coming into camp. They have to prepare for all these different things. So fascinating stuff. Nature, nature, you know, it, it's interesting because if you look at anything in nature, including human beings, whether it's you know an ant or a spider rolling something, a web, whatever it is. Everybody in nature is constantly fighting nature. It's a fight. It just to survive. If you want to survive out there, you can see why men man has always kind of pitted himself against nature. Just the constant struggle of trying to push yourself into a situation where you don't have to deal and contend with nature. We've done a pretty good job of it, you know, by by figuring out ways to innovate and ways to control our environment and stuff. But if you if you had to scratch out a living and look at animals. I mean, you can watch deer who don't move very much because they have to conserve energy. And they have to stay in one area and they eat in that one area. Then they move down to lower land. But a lot of times, guess what happens that people don't realize with deer? They starve to death. Oh, not just sometimes. Like, often. Often. It happens all the time. It's brutal. But most of these people that are against hunting or that think that, like, somehow or another that nature is supposed to be this, like, peaceful thing, they don't understand what the reality of the life of these animals is. Teddy Roosevelt had a great quote on people who don't understand hunting and people who have a problem with it who love nature. And he wrote that death by violence, death by cold, death by starvation, these are the normal ends of the noble and stately creatures of the wilderness. The sentimentalists who prattle about the peaceful life of nature, the peaceful yeah, that's what he wrote. Peaceful life of nature. Do not understand its utter mercilessness. Life is hard and cruel and these... Oh, okay. Wow, this is a fucked up speech. And in what these sentimentalists call a state of nature. 
Yeah, it's in Hobbes said it's short brutish. What is the, what is the ex, the expression? Um, short and brutish. It's, it's the nature is tough. Well, you know what it is is it's it's indifferent. That was one of the things that we said when we got to this place. We're like when we sat out there and looked out off you know the top <clears> of those <throat> mountains and we looked at all this just you feel so insignificant no no people no. no people enormous enormous place not a fucking person to be seen and one of the first things that we were thinking was like it's so indifferent it just doesn't give a fuck it doesn't give a fuck if you're here or well Ranella was saying also that you know the native americans that lived there were you know hundreds of years ago whatever were stayed on the coast they ate a lot of shellfish and fished they didn't really go into the interior to get deer it's just so difficult to do. I mean, you know, well, especially before they had firearms, it was very. I mean, difficult. can you imagine? I mean, you want to shoot a, an animal with a bow and arrow, especially an old school bow and arrow. You must get inside of thirty yards. Yeah, Good luck. forty yards. You're fucking really pushing it, man. Uh, even with a compound bow, a forty yard shot is very difficult to yeah. be accurate with. And those old bows, like a lot of them, just didn't have the amount of power to pull. Like. The Mongols had these crazy fucking bows, but they required like 160 pounds of pull. Oof. Like you could probably shoot at a reliable 50, 60 yard distance with those if you got really good at it, but you're fucking practicing with those goddamn things every day. Sure. If you have a spear, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. How far can you throw a spear? Can you even throw a spear 10 yards? I mean, how I far mean, can you reliably throw a spear? Especially to make it, and, and throw it accurately. And hit an animal and kill it. Yeah, Or graze it, and it's going to run off and go nowhere near you. So they, they, they hung around where the water was, because shellfish and, and netting, you can net fish, and th there was a more reliable way to capture meat. Were you with me when, who was talking, telling a story about how the Inuit would bend a bone? They'd bend a bone, and they would cover it in fat, Yes. And then the and it would be frozen fat and then the polar bear would come eat the bone and the bone would open expand in the in the polar bear's stomach or throat and suddenly it would basically take 3 days to die and they would follow it until it died and then take the, just for the coat because they, they that's how they kept warm. Well, one of the ways they used to kill wolves was they would take an, a knife, like a razor sharp yeah. knife, and they would embed it into the ground and then put blood on the knife. So the wolves would come along and lick the knife and cut their tongue open and bleed to death. And because they keep well they would keep licking and yeah. bleeding and licking and bleeding. Cuz they, they would taste the blood. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would just die there. Fucking dumb cunt wolves. Kind of genius. That's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Well, you know, people are ingenious when they, they have to stay alive. Yeah. And we obviously didn't have to stay alive. We had meals. We had food. We had, you know, we brought apples and protein bars and all kinds of shit. Plenty of complaining, but, though. Plenty of But complaining. think about if we had to live off the land while they, we were there. What the fuck did we find? <clears throat> we found a couple salamanders. We saw a duck. Six or seven blueberries. Yeah, there was these blueberries. There were these microscopic, the, the head of good. like a head of a match blueberries, <laughs> and they tasted like powder. Yeah. They tasted like nothing. Good luck surviving, ladies and gentlemen. I ate a handful of them, and one of them was kind of sweet. But like, you go to Whole Foods, you get these fucking juicy GMO blueberries. Don't even know where they came from. They, who cares? They're, They're tennis ball size. You oh. fucking bite down on them, and oh. they blow up in your mouth. And even then, you're like, I need more food. Yeah. Yeah. Death by violence, death by cold, death by starvation. Teddy Roosevelt was a bad motherfucker. Yep. The normal ends. Wasn't it Teddy Roosevelt who designated noble. Yellowstone Park as a national park? I don't and, know. And Yosemite, I believe. Did he? Yep. Smart man. Yes, he was. That's a good place for a national park. That's an unbelievably beautiful place that's going to kill everybody eventually. With the super volcano? Yeah. I've been thinking about nothing else since yes. you told me about that. Terrifying. That's, 
That's the black swan, as they say. That's like everybody's going about their life, and all of a sudden, guess what? There's a super volcano that could eradicate life on Earth. Well, not just one. There's six of them worldwide, and two of them are in California, which is really crazy. God, basically big zits on the Earth. Yeah, there's there's super volcanoes everywhere. There's super volcanoes all over the world. And there's not just one in Yellowstone. There's a, there's a gigantic super volcano, I think we said in Indonesia, that they think is responsible for the reason why <clears throat> there is only, you know, they believe that 75,000 years ago, this super volcano in Indonesia exploded. And when it exploded, they think that that's why all human beings have some sort of a, a relationship to each other. That we all came from an original group of human beings. 74,000 years ago, Toba, it's, uh, it's a caldera volcano in Sumatra. It's, ready for this, hold on to your dick, 1,080 square miles. But so people are living on top of it as we speak. No, way. well, I don't think they are. I don't know if they are or not, but it's in, it's, in Indi- it's in Sumatra, Indonesia. And it's the only super volcano in existence that can be described as Yellowstone's big sister. 74,000 years ago, Toba erupted and ejected several thousand times more material than erupted from Mount St. Helens in 1980. Several thousand times more. Some researchers think that Toba's ancient super eruption and the global cold spell it triggered might explain a mystery in the human genome. Our genes suggest that we all come from a few thousand people just tens of thousands of years ago instead of from a much older, bigger lineage, as fossil evidence testifies. So we have the fossil evidence, which shows a, a much older, Cro-Mags b- yeah, broader lineage. But the people of today all come from a few thousand people that might have been the only fucking human beings that survived this goddamn super volcano seventy four thousand. So years that's ago. why they can trace like a, like a Hasidic Jews in Finland or in Hungary. To Africans, yeah, to Africans, yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable. And that's all seventy four thousand years ago, man. So, so, so. So then the but we do find with the genome that some people have some Cro-Magnon genes in right I think well we are Cro-Magnon I think you're thinking of Neanderthal no, I mean Neanderthal yeah. I mean. well there's okay. there's I think there's de- obviously I'm an idiot so don't listen to me google this but um I think there's debate on this because I think that some believe that these genomes are from a common ancestor and that I think there's debate as to whether or not people fuck Neanderthals or Neanderthals fuck people we interbred like I've joked around about it that my I'm pretty sure someone in my past fucked a monkey. Like when people were like just starting to not be monkeys anymore. So really said, flexible, you got long arms. Someone, someone well, let me just one more time. One more time. Just get back in there. And somehow the monkey got pregnant and like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then that's where my line came from. But Simeon genes. But I think that um there's debate as to whether or not humans interbred with Neanderthals and that's why, or whether or not we have a common ancestor. I don't think it's been completely figured out yet, but if Neanderthals were around, for sure somebody would fuck one. Yeah. People fuck chickens. one person. I've seen people fuck chickens. My, dad, my buddy was a cop. He found a guy fucking a chicken in a car. There he was a go. family man, and he had a chicken <laughs> under a fucking towel, and he goes, what are you doing? He goes, yeah, nothing. That. First of all, I love that expression, family man. He's a family man. <laughs> He's a family man in San Francisco. He's fucking a chicken under a towel. Excuse me, sir. Is that illegal? I think it is illegal. Like, they can arrest you for cruelty to animals or something. But then again, you eat chicken. I don't know. Yeah, it's not weird. That, but like, they had to make up. Kill... It's like public indecency. I think they get right. you on stuff like that. But you were fucking a chicken. Although, how about this? That's a very good question because 
Yes, Your Honor, I fucked a chicken under a towel. It's my thing. Free country. Um, you kill and eat chickens. Right. So I don't know. And by and and I should be able to fuck the chicken, then kill and eat it. Technically, or kill it and then fuck it. But that's like you're you're a weirdo. If yeah. You kill it and then fuck it. You're like some sort of necrophiliac. I wonder if that's a, wonder if that's a law though. Um, well, I have th- a joke about it. You heard the joke? No. Well, it's a bit about you could f- you you can kill an animal, but you're not allowed to fuck it. But what you can do is take like a meal sized portion and use it to jerk off with. If like someone came in your house, you were jerking off with a chicken cutlet. Yeah. You'd be like, "What the fuck? I can't have my, my privacy." Yeah, exactly. Like Isn't it's that weird? my chicken. Yeah. But if as long as it's like no one would stop you. Like look, look. Okay, a flashlight. What's a flashlight? A flashlight is something that resembles flesh that's made out of like some sort of a rubber, whatever yeah. epoxy. I don't know what the fuck yeah. they're made out of. So your polymer. You're you're putting your penis in that because it feels like flesh. Right. Well, you if how green would it be to take an actual chicken cutlet, use it to jerk off with, warm it up in a microwave so it feels like flesh, or let it sit at room temperature, whatever. You jerk off with it and then you cook it and eat it. Yeah. That's like you're making best use of all the materials. But th- that would be probably they couldn't do anything to you. But if you fucked a chicken, they could probably do something to you. Well, Jonathan Haidt, who is a guy who studies this, he wrote a book called The Hi- Happiness Hypothesis, talks exactly about this example. He said, if you masturbated, if you, if you took a dead chicken and you ate it, it would be fine. If you took the dead chicken, fucked it, came in it, and then ate it, People would be like, "Oh, yeah." Uh, he used another really difficult. What if example. you didn't come? What if you're like a tantric guy? A good, good question. You like good you, question. you put your penis in. You are like, no. That's how no, I fuck no, chickens. No, no, That's no, no, I don't. No. I draw the line and, <sighs> and actually coming in them. You I come this. on them. <sighs> I come on them. You just get that tight. Hits, <sighs> Dave. That's the weakest <sighs> muscle I have. Everything else is really strong. That that hold back cum My muscle has gotten like better as I've fucking, gotten older. It's like an old lady's underarm. You know, old <laughs> ladies, they're underneath their arm just fucking dangles. There's there's no power to it. It's got no <laughs> You no, got no strength. Old ladies can't do dips. In your cum, put in your a, cum muscle. Put like a weight belt on an old lady and tell her to do dips. That's like how strong my cum the muscle is. The dam breaks. Yeah, it just goes. It's made of tissue paper. <laughs> it's basically curtains. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't but, have but any power. But Jonathan Haidt talks about <laughs> talks about fucking like that. He used that example. Then he used another example where he says, if a brother and sister in the woods use protection and have sex, it's the same idea. We immediately go, oh, that's wrong. Oh, but he says, okay, it's wrong. It is. That's taboo in most cultures. But again, they're not having kids. They had sex and nobody's getting hurt. They're both, you know, they go on with their lives. What is that? Why do we have this revulsion? We have this built in. We, we as a society and as people universally have these very interesting through lines in culture. One being that all cultures recognize, all cultures, no matter how primitive, recognize uh, humorous insults. Uh, every culture, no matter how primitive, has a form of humorous insults for each other. They make fun of each other. Uh, the other is that there every is culture, a, every yes, culture, that every even culture Japanese, that, according to Stephen Pinker, every culture they've ever studied, one hundred percent has has a place for humorous insult. So making fun, ribbing each other, right? Uh, and and you're talking about the most primitive tribes or, or the most uh, Aboriginal tribes and the most you know the most techni- technologically advanced tribes all have always had some form of humorous insult. The other is a recognition for certain things that are taboo. Yes. 
but they're yeah. different across the board culturally. Like we were talking about those cultures in New Guinea, the semen yeah, warriors yes. in New Guinea that yeah. have this crazy thing where they molest young boys, or widow strangling, where they where the where of a, a, a widow's a woman's husband dies, the next man closest to the husband strangles her. Yeah, but those are very very isolated tribes that have had not shared any ideas with other people that had no cross-pollination so you're going to get very weird fetishistic sort of um examples of human behavior yeah and that's also like when when you we know that like when people molest children that those children who have been molested often have this very distorted idea of sexuality and sometimes become abusers themselves yeah and that this could have easily happened on these small islands. Hundred percent. But these are large groups of people. Like thousands of people practice these th- this yeah. New Guinea um, semen warrior ritual. It's still it's very you, small in re- relation. People need to read about this because yeah. I mean we're not going into depth about it. I mean it's it's an incredible fucking bizarre thing. These New Guinea warriors. They take these young boys away from their mother at a very early age, and they start having sex with them. And they do it because they say that the boy needs semen in order to grow up strong and healthy by ingesting semen either Ugh. through their mouth or through their butt. And, like, this is how they grow up. I mean, this yeah. is the, the semen warriors of New Guinea. Google yeah. it and freak the fuck well, out. Well, New Guinea has... A, Jared Diamond did so many examples. has so many crazy examples of insane human behavior. It's usually probably some lone pervert who's like, let's fuck boys, and now it's a... He's the leader, but but you know they've got that's why they have cannibalism and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. But whenever you see a large population, a civilization of people who have been able to cross pollinate ideas, so if you take huge areas, the Bantu Belt of Africa, the Fertile Crescent of the North Africa and of the Middle East, uh, China, for example, that's where taboos have strong sexual undercurrents where certain sexual activity a lot of times has sex, is, is very taboo and there's a lot of similarities you can draw with that um which is interesting so so there are through lines you can draw with cultures you do get those aberrations with those smaller groups of people that They're do just really isolated weird stuff. people when you're talking having, about the new guinea people when we we're on a, our trip about eating their dead bodies and the way they would oh my explain God. this in, insane fucking thing that they used to do yeah well i, I they still do i had jared diamond on the podcast and i said tell me about you've seen them cannibalize and he said you really want to know about it i said yeah i said well you asked for it and he said some tribes when they would have warring they'd have a war and they'd kill somebody they would eat they'd cook the chop it up cook, cook the body but there are tribes in papua new guinea that will take the body after like if a relative dies They'll take the body, they'll lay it out naked on slats of wood, so there are slats, so there are holes, and they put buckets under the slats, and they let the body just putrefy and gel to the point where it starts to drip into the buckets. And then they take their sweet potatoes, and they dip their sweet potatoes into the human goo, and they eat it. And, oh. and oh, and here's the other problem. They uh, the reason a lot of and the life expectancy for most of them in the highlands was like forty years old. Uh, most died from by the violent violent deaths from interwar and from infection and things. But they would also when they would do that they would get uh, what they called laughing disease, kukuri, which is J- uh, Kreutzfeld, Jacobs Kreutzfeld. Yeah, what is that? It's yeah. like mad cow disease essentially it is. from eating you know brain and you know all that brain stuff. tissue. Yeah. So don't eat people, guys, and don't let the body gel and putrefy. At least cook and eat a fillet. If you're going to eat somebody, eat the chest, the ass. In Joe Rogan's case, he's got a set of cheeks on him and you got some big legs i was looking at your legs i think your legs have actually gotten bigger 
you had your you had your pants off for a second <laughs> near the campfire trying to dry your ass out as we were talking joe's literally doing squats hanging his wet ass over the fire and i was like i was like looking at your legs i was like the kid's got some he's got he's got a strong lower body he looks like a a centaur well i told you i did prepare for this yeah i'm worked pissed. out for two why months. didn't you tell me to prepare because you wouldn't listen i would listen you i work out I've been, lift, I've been lifting heavy as you, you barely can tell work out Shut up! I do not look at my body. I was I was doing a lot of uh, kettlebell squats, taking two seventies, clean them, get them here, and just ooh, yeah, set to twenty five. Okay, I didn't do that. That's a lot of weight. You were making that noise. Yeah, you gotta you gotta breathe out. I love when guys. I love when guys. I love when guys describe their body, bro. When I when I was lifting, dude, my chest was like, and my abs were like, bro. My legs and ass were like. Isn't it amazing what a f- calming and like like morale boosting thing having a fire was for us? Oh God, we couldn't build a fire for the first what three days. Yeah, and when we finally got that fire going, it was me and Mike. You we had, led the charge. I, we had this idea. I was like, we're gonna make a fucking fire. Like we have gasoline, we have whiskey. Tell them how I'm we like, tell them what the best kindling is in the world. Fritos. 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 Right. Light on fire like a motherfucker and hold their, a, yeah. hold their flame. Hold their flame like those By the candles. Way, that you can't blow out on a birthday cake. While we were in tent, while we were in camp, I watched the documentary King Corn. I had it on my laptop. It was one of the days where we couldn't go anywhere. I just yeah. sat and watched this. I, I was worried that my laptop was going to cook and explode because it was like in a sea of dew. Yeah. But uh, my water. laptop is tough because it's been spilled on so many times. I spilled coffee on it. It's toughened my laptop up. <laughs> but this fucking documentary is an amazing documentary. King Corn. If you've never seen it, you. If you're interested at all in like what the fuck is going on with corn and how many things corn is in in our country, you got to watch this documentary. These guys did an amazing job. These two guys, they got out of college, they were doing some research on corn, and they decided to uh, get their their hair and their tissue uh, analyzed. And when they they analyzed it, this guy said the carbon in your body is all from corn. Yeah, we ingest so much of it. You may you eat yeah. so much corn that your body's made out of corn. Yeah. It's like what the fuck are you talking about? So these guys they rented or leased uh, an acre of land on this guy's property in Iowa, and they grew their own corn and grew it from the the time it went into the ground to adding pesticides to taking it to market. They went through the whole thing and then explained all the different things that corn is in and it is fucking stunning it's in everything right it's also stunning how all of it is with subsidies and if it wasn't for government subsidies all these people would lose money these guys got a check from the government to grow their acre of corn it was a small check because it was only one acre but if they're growing 10,000, 30,000 acres, like a lot of these folks yeah. are, they, they rely on these government checks. Well, ethanol, ethanol, which we don't really need anymore, but ethanol is used, and now there's a lobbying, there's a very strong lobbying presence in Washington that's not going to let ethanol go away. Ethanol has a cottage industry around it. People make money off of growing corn for fuel. Uh, and, and there are a thousand examples of that, you know, where, where corn has a very strong lobby. The sugar lobby is very strong. There's another documentary called Fed Up about, you know, when 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 the World Health Organization came along and said 10, only 10% of your diet should be sugar of, of all kinds, whether it's fruit juice or just sugar. It's just not good for your body. We have the science to, to prove it. And the the sugar industry and the corn syrup industry – 
came along and said, well, if you want your, you know, put a lot of pressure on the Bush administration to tell them, to World Health Organization, if you want your $450 million this year, you better revive, you better leave that out of your report because we have people believing in our school lunch programs and stuff that 25% of your diet can be simple sugars. And, you know, it's a, I, I got to watch that documentary because it's amazing how how many interests, powerful interests get involved in getting you to eat corn, getting you to eat foods that, you know, in their byproducts that, that they make a lot of money off that may not be so good for your body. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre how bad it is for your body and how much of it is in foods. Corn syrup, corn starch, corn proteins, <laughs> corn this, corn that. It's It's incredible, these corn additives. And... Without the subsidies, it wouldn't be happening. It's like our government is literally paying to keep our diets shitty. That's right. Because they're in bed with this industry. Mm -hmm. And I'm really wondering what would happen if hemp became legal worldwide and especially legal in the United States. Because we sell hemp food. We sell those hemp protein bars that I brought with us on, on the trip. So good. Those on it uh, hemp force protein bars. And on it hemp force powder but we have to buy our hemp from canada and there's a bunch of different grades of it we buy the highest grade stuff it's very expensive and one of the reasons why it's very expensive is it's hard to grow and it's growing up in canada well it's hard to grow in america it's impossible to grow i should have said it's not it's not you, subsidized we, either no right? it's not subsidized you have to get it in canada and the the, the hearts the hemp hearts the, the the best part of it is what we get and it's you know it's very high in protein but we could that could be all over this country and far and it's easy to fucking grow it's it's not susceptible to various bugs and 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 bullshit and weeds it is a fucking weed it grows crazy easy is and it's but super hemp healthy. is hemp a a it's in the marijuana family, right? This is what it is. It's the male version right. of the plant. The right. female version Buds. of the plant, yes, is okay. where you get the THC. Right. But they can grow like acres and acres of non-psychoactive hemp. Like you don't even get, you don't even test positive for THC if you eat hemp protein. But if you eat poppy seed bagels, you test positive for heroin. Wow. People that are going through drug tests, like yeah. if you, you, you're, they don't touch poppy seeds. Well, you can't. They tell you don't eat poppy seeds for X amount of days. Damn. Because if you eat it, you'll you turn up positive for heroin. God. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. That's crazy. It's really crazy. And hemp is it has all the essential amino acids. It's a far better source of paper. It's far better building material. Have you ever seen a hemp stalk? You ever pick up like a hemp no. stalk? Like hemp stalk. Okay. You can make rope out of it. I know that. Oh yeah. Well, you make the best rope. Okay, the best rope in the world. Parachutes, George Sr., George Herbert Walker Bush, mm -hmm. the parachute that he used to safely parachute in World War II, that was made out of hemp. Mm. He parachuted to safety with a fucking hemp parachute. Wow. There was a video called Hemp for Victory, where in World War II, they were incur this is post-illegalization, by the way. They made it illegal in the 1930s. Well, in the 1940s, they were encouraging farmers to grow hemp for the war effort. Like, go, pull up hemp. I believe that. Pull up the YouTube did, did video. Did nylon? Did the nylon? Pull up the YouTube video, Hemp for Victory. It was part of it. DuPont yeah. was in cahoots, allegedly, with William Randolph Hearst. But William Randolph Hearst was the main reason why hemp became illegal. And a lot of it was because... He was going to have to convert all of his paper mills to uh, to hemp paper. Hemp paper is way better. Like if you pick up regular paper, like look at this, hemp for victory. Play this. Play play the volume. This was this is a propaganda film that they made in the 1940s to get people to start growing hemp for the war effort. Wow. Yeah, this is fucking crazy. When you think about it, this shit is illegal today. That's amazing. 
Look at the those, music. Those buildings are made of hemp, you guys. Hemp was already old in the service of mankind. For thousands of years, even then, this plant had been grown for cordage and coarse cloth in China and elsewhere in the East. For centuries prior to about 1850, all the ships that sailed the Western Seas were rigged with hemp and rope and sails. For the sailor, no less than the hangman, hemp was indispensable. Do you know canvas comes from the word cannabis? Canvas uh -huh. cloth, like uh -huh. canvas sails, those yeah. were all made out of hemp. I just love their voices and back those na narratives. They, the they, they, they talked way. about things were very formal. That was their version fact, of the strip club DJ. That's right. Hemp was something that, and there's always the music behind with some flute. Look at that. Those are hemp chords. Be a good American and buy hemp. Even people in the East, China and other, way, other places. So what happened was, in the 1930s, they came out with this invention called a decorticator. And the decorticator, they used it to more effectively process the hemp fiber. They, before, they used slavery. Slavery was the only way, the way they would do it, like smash these fibers down, and it wasn't as effective as cotton. And so they, they came up with a cotton mill when uh, Eli Whitney came up sure. with a cotton mill, mill, cotton gin. When they started uh, doing that, like, well, cotton's way easier now. So they started making things out of cotton. But then they came out with a decorticator and like, oh, shit, hemp is going to be making a comeback. And they were saying hemp is a new billion-dollar crop. Like, pull up the, po the cover of Popular Science magazine in... Uh, 1930, I want to say 35, 37, one of those I, I years. Always, the yeah. cover of Popular Science Magazine said, Hemp, the new billion-dollar crop. This is the cover of this magazine. And, and then right after that, it was made illegal. And then DuPont and those, the yeah. other interests came along. Um, Just pull up Hemp, the new billion-dollar so crop. It was made illegal. It's on the cover it of the illegal. fucking magazine. Wow. 1938, there it is. Wow. Hemp. I they were going to use hemp clothes and hemp paper and hemp this and hemp food and hemp oils. Hemp oils are super good for your body and not psychoactive at all. When you when you said Eli Whitney, it was the same kind of thing. I was thinking about how one man's invention made slavery. Essentially, there was a real abolition move, abolitionist movement going on where slavery was really the anti-slavery movement was gaining tremendous ground because it was really hard to justify, of course. And then when Eli Whitney came along with the cotton gin and all those southern plantations were like we got all this free labor and and this is white gold we're selling this stuff not only to europe but to, to north africa everywhere everybody wants american cotton uh not so fast we're not getting rid of slavery here this makes no sense we got a lot of free labor and uh thank you eli whitney for you know i wonder i always wonder like you come up with this amazing invention and uh but that's going to keep a, a people enslaved for about another hundred years thank you very much it's just one of those weird things in history where you just go fuck well it, it played a part obviously yeah. um, do you know how have you ever heard about this incredible historical story about morse how morse code was invented no this is so amazing. Morse was, um, yeah, that's amazing. But Morse, shit. but this is what's more amazing. Morse was a painter, a very successful oil painter, very successful. And his wife, he got a tele, he got a on before Morse code. It's very important to remember that the only way to get a message to somebody throughout history, Alexander the Great and George Washington had to use the exact same methodology, which was horse, boat, or foot. A messenger pigeon, but in very small areas. What about crow? 
Uh, no, I'm, fra- Send I'm afraid. Send a raven. I'm afraid not a raven. That's in Game of Thrones. Don't, that's don't, a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie. But no, no, no. They sent a raven. I'm sorry, my friend. That's a lie. It's got to be. Um, it's got to be a, a, a messenger. Business. Next anyway. thing you'll tell me, the dragons aren't real. Ah, uh, well, have you ever seen? Uh, dragons Here be dragons. Out of really pretty crocodiles. girls' pussy. Cro- Yes, but crocodiles. That's true. That's what happened. Don't give it away. She's the mother of dragons. She. That's an amazing. I love that. I can't I wait till her. that comes back. Yeah, mm. she's wonderful. Mm. She's the mother of dragons. She's Khaleesi. What Khaleesi. A, what a good kid. Khaleesi. Hey, she's a queen, bro. Whatever. Hey, don't. That's your a, voice is a, getting all gravelly. That's a, that's my friend Jimmy from back home. Jimmy Detilio used to say that whenever a girl was like really good perverted. Kid. That's so New York. He would go, too. "What a Boston." He would go, "What a good kid." Good kid. She's a good kid. <laughs> Jimmy Burke does that. Jimmy Burke used to always say that. She's a good kid. He used to say that too, really? Oh, yeah. It's very New York. Oh, so it's an East Coast thing. Oh, yeah. Thing. Very East Coast. So for perverts. Yeah. Well, he, I don't think, uh, you know, my so friend Jimmy was uh, all Boston. She's born a raised. good kid. Ulysses Hates Grant um, was the one who turned Yellowstone into a national oh. park. Um, Theodore Roosevelt turned Yosemite. Okay, Yosemite. Yeah. So, so Morse. Oh, thank Morse, you to DJ Jackpot. On the, thank uh, you, DJ. Uh, so, so, so Morse, Morse gets um, a, a message. Your wife is sick in Connecticut. He <laughs> was <laughs> in north, northern New York or something. He gets on a, you know, in a horse and buggy and he goes down. And by the time he gets there, he loved his wife. She wasn't only dead, she had been buried. So he never got a chance to say bye to her. He's heartbroken. And all he does as this painter, a painter, is he obsesses over how in the world he can figure out, he could figure out a way to not have that. Where he could get, if he had gotten the message earlier, he could have gotten there to see his wife. Wow. Seven years later, he's on an ocean liner and he meets a dude who's a scientist who's working with electromagnetic fields. And he basically says, do you think it would be possible to use this electromagnetic field and get it somewhere else so that we can quicken time? Long story short, he, 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 he basically gets together with this, this guy who is a scientist on electromagnetic fields. They send a message. And I can't remember whether it was from New York to Washington, D.C., but I think it was. Uh, but at first, it was a short distance. It was only like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, a quarter mile or something. I don't know. what. It was. Are you looking it up right now? Washington to Baltimore. Washington to Baltimore. And they sent a message in as much time as it takes electricity to get there. It was wow. instantaneous. And it, it, it was, of course, a bigger revolution than even the Internet, some would argue, because before that time and throughout all of human history the only way to get a message to somebody was by foot boat or horse and it just had never been done before it was a complete revolution and it started because a guy was heartbroken over not being able to say goodbye to his wife before she died that's incredible yeah that is fucking incredible that's morse code that's why i love history well it's fascinating when you think that there was people a long time ago that if something was going on 10 miles away, there's no way of finding out. I know. No way. I know. Now, if so, there's a revolution going on in China right now, in Hong Kong, yeah. we're watching it live in yeah. real time. There's streaming websites. You know, there's there's criticism of the way China's handling exactly. it. You get to read various different points of view. Yeah, I mean, it's... And w- oppressive, oppressive regimes aren't allowed to get away with murder. It, they can, but they have to be very careful because they know the world's watching. It makes the world less brutal, I would argue. Oh, way you more. Yeah. Way, way more accountable. Way Think more about accountable. what the world would have done if the Mongols were coming into the Middle East and just killing people wholesale in Russia the way they did. Think about what the world would be doing. We'd be like, we got to stop these assholes on horseback right now. Yeah. You know? 
But nobody was watching. We didn't know. That's where you got to love something called America. Okay? Because we'll just send some drones over there. Oh, you got a 160-pound bow and you like to drink horse m blood mixed with Nevada. mare's milk. I'm in Nevada sipping coffee. With Watch a fucking this. Xbox drinking Mountain Dew and a fucking kid with a hemorrhoid is lighting you bitches up from the sky. Big thumb muscles. Could you imagine... If you could do that, I mean, if time travel becomes reality where you can't mess up the timeline, like say if all timelines are completely independent, say if you could go back in time and you could have like have at it and do whatever the fuck you want, it would have no bearing on the future. If they find out the timelines are completely independent yeah. and that if you do go back in time, it has literally no effect on the current future. Right. You go back to where you were and nothing's changed. You, even your, your actual actions never really took place. Mm -hmm. They took place in an alternative timeline. Mm -hmm. How much would you love to fucking suit up with some like Navy SEAL type bulletproof armor, lock yourself down in a fucking giant tank and go roll into the Mongol Empire? One person say, you know what? I win. Th th I'm just I th taking over. I, I, I think about that every <laughs> single day. And I'm not kidding. I think about a helicopter gunship while these a-holes are on their horses coming in and try to kill and rape and do all that. And be like, hey, guess what? Check out this bird from the sky. I look like a giant hornet. Tell me if this stings. Now, think about this. What will people from a thousand years from now be thinking about us? And how ridiculous would they think that we are? Listen to what these assholes did. They made explosions in little metal containers. Yeah. And these explosions propelled these very dense metal balls right. through the air at ridiculous speeds. And they went through each other's bodies. Yeah. And that's how they did war. They couldn't read minds. They didn't understand it's enlightenment. And, and, and they were also human. They didn't have the enlightenment machines. pills yet. They didn't know how to have perfect genetics. Yeah. They didn't know how to engineer cancer away. They, they were all fighting over resources. They got cold. They had electricity that was coming from, wait for it, nuclear power, these fucking idiots. <laughs> they had developed these nuclear sites where they had these generators that they could never shut off. And they, they kept them running, and when they would have anything would go wrong, the power would go out, it would melt down, and they would have to clear everyone out of the area for 100,000 well, years. Well, not only that, you had to be tied to a power source. You literally had to have a, a long rope coming out of your head that was attached to some huge box just to hear yourself or other people. Yeah. Everything was plugged in. Well, how about solar power in California? Why isn't everything solar powered? I don't know. We don't have any fucking rain. I mean, None. is the one resource that we have that's bountiful and plentiful yeah. is sunlight we have a real problem we've it's rained once in a year here it's crazy we have a real problem but we have massive massive amounts of solar electricity mm -hmm. that no one's tapping into and we got a fucking ocean that we could just desalinate Mm -hmm. Why don't? Why haven't they figured out how to do that? They say, well, it takes an incredible amount of power. What about fucking solar power? How about use solar power, figure out an efficient way of using solar power to process the salt out of the water, and we have the most green, lush landscape ever. I think California it's, I think it's could look really, like Seattle. I don't know if we have the technology yet. I think it's really hard to Work do Work on it! Get to work a on it. A fucking guy named Morse figured out a way to send signals back so when there was true. no internet. Come on, inventors! No, Would they even have cars? No. No, no. cars. No, no. Nothing. No. no. Do they have phones? No, there was no yeah. fucking phones. They had trains. They had, I think they had the internal... Uh, no, maybe not. They, spit, well, trains worked on cold. If you had a book and you spit on the pages, all the fucking information would run down and leak. Uh, I mean, think about it. I know. They were fools. Well, uh, books had to be hand... <laughs>
hand woven and but the printing press was another revolution i mean gutenberg's he was a watchmaker oh. and it was just the printing press was another when you talk about the seminal people in history the people that changed everything he's in there when gutenberg. was the printing press invented uh, i used to know the answer to this uh in in the it might have been actually in the beginning of the 1800s or maybe even earlier than that let me like I think seventeen, I think it, was. it was like the seventeen. The actual printing press was probably invented, I believe, in seventeen. Well, why, why ask? Why don't you, Jamie? Well, I'm, looking at I'm just Jamie trying to guess. Cause I can't why remember. I guess? But if, by the time it actually took hold, it was a while. It was about a hundred years. It's amazing to think that back before then, like people had to write out all the letters. Yeah, like I think it was sixteen hundred, sixteen forty. If you get like an old book. Earlier. It was earlier than 1640? Well, Martin Luther. What didn't wasn't that one of the reasons yes. why Martin Luther was able to spread oh, his propaganda so far because he was printing things and putting them on the the walls of churches. Well, he he did on the no, doors. he 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 did his and I think it was Bittenberg. He did he did his 100 proclamations and he nailed it to the church door. Yeah. And that was basically saying that the Catholic Church was a sham or at least they didn't need all this money and it was corrupt and if you want the word of god all you need is the bible you don't need all this elaborate iconic, well it was actually more iconic. than that he actually phonetically translated the bible for the first time for the common folk so um, regular people could read the bible uh, that wasn't actually martin luther's uh, that wasn't martin luther's contribution martin luther's contribution was to say he was a jesuit priest i believe who said that it, to be um, you can be just as holy as the pope as a common man, if you are religious and you follow the Bible, you don't need this huge infrastructure and hierarchy of bishops and priests. He did something with translating the Bible. I know this for sure. When was it? Um, what is it? What year was it? 1450. Wow. 1450. That's incredible. Yeah. But it didn't really take hold. The printing press wasn't used uh, you know, until 100, 200 years later. I mean, uh, on a wide scale. The projects, of, yeah, the Luther Bible, a German language Bible translation from the Hebrew and ancient Greek by Martin Luther. Mm. Yeah, it was. Uh, so the New Testament was first published in 1522, and the complete Bible containing the Old and New Testaments uh, was 1534, and the project absorbed Luther's later years. Thanks mm. to then recently invented printing press, the result was a widely disseminated and uh, contributed significantly to development of today's modern high German language. And so what had happened was when Luther, this is all from, there's a, um, a the reason why I know it is because of uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast of, on it. Um, I don't remember the exact episode. I'll, I'll try to recall it. But it's amazing, this episode on Martin Luther and how the, the Luther had created this movement and this movement had actually gone far and beyond his ideas mm -hmm. and gotten like completely totally radical which was what which was essentially the proletariat can be just as holy as somebody with cloth and a crown i mean in other words you, you, it was it was kind of a it was kind of the democratization of christianity right i mean all yes. you needed was a bible and to walk and to live the word of god and you could be you yeah, were going you to heaven too you didn't need a church yeah. in order to it to was that was that was real heresy to say that you know you as a farmer if you follow the word of god can be even less corrupt and be in more favor with God than even the Pope. You know, that was that was pretty radical. I mean, he I think he had to leave Germany for it. Well, I don't I don't remember exactly specifically what the events were, but his his uh, take on it, Dan Carlin's take on it. I think God damn it, I'm going to find it here. But it's, what it's, it didn't didn't his teaching spark the Hundred Years' War? I mean, the Catholics and the Protestants was vicious wars. Thor's Angels is the name of the podcast. Um, you got a 
you gotta listen to it because it is fucking absolutely completely stunning mm. it uh he's a he's a fucking amazing guy man dan carlin his podcasts are amazing and his uh his his take on it is so in it's it's so enthralling he's so good at like being theatrical and dragging mm. you into and explaining it all but he explains all the the personalities that were involved and all the conflicts that were involved but it was essentially the first time where the public had gotten a hold of what it really said in the bible because before you couldn't read the bible it you was had read to, to you yeah it was read right. to you so they had to rely on other people and it was read a lot of times in latin and and a lot of people didn't speak latin they would no. just go to church and listen to the you know listen to the priest well, speak still to this day oh yeah. you go to the you go to the church you priests hear those also people. would give you you would do things for the priest and they would they would grant you um what are the word what can't remember the word for it but you'd basically get points in favor of going to heaven look so it became it very very like. you know it used to look like when it was handwritten amazing how, how about that what Weird. steve Renella was saying about all the buffalo yeah well that that's really dan flores um, buffalo diplomacy and uh, bison diplomacy. He's uh, that guy. I'm going to try to get him on the podcast. I'm getting his information from uh, Ranella. But what essentially is saying is that our idea is that the white man came and killed all the buffalo. There were millions of buffalo, and then also the there's a, a commonly held misconception that people gave smallpox to the Native Americans on purpose. And that what really happened was smallpox, they didn't even know what the fuck smallpox was. And the French had given it to the Native Americans accidentally right. because they had it. It spread through the Native Americans. And the Spanish and killed, too, I think. Yes. Yeah. And killed a huge amount of people. They say 90% of the population. Yeah, maybe. 90% of the people. So when that happened, the buffalo just grew out of control. Mm -hmm. And what he talked about is how the early settlers, the early Europeans, they documented all these different things that they seen. Uh, they had seen all the deer, elk, all the different animals they see. They didn't talk about buffalo. They did they didn't document it. But then hundreds of years later after the Native American population had dwindled like substantially, 90% of them had died off because of smallpox, the buffalo were out of fucking control. And he also talked about how the introduction of the horse changed the way they were hunting mm. because the the horse even preceded a lot of European settlers. Well, the Spanish brought the horse theft. over, right? Exactly. Yeah. They brought the horse over during the Cortez days. Yes. And that's why Cortez had no idea. They, they thought- That's what spread influenza through the Mississippi Delta mm -hmm. and all those different diseases that, that Native Americans had never been exposed to because when they came back, they saw these towns that were empty. Mm -hmm. And yes. it, it was like, where are all the people? Well, they, they died off. And what Dan Flores apparently saying, I'm going to try to get on soon is that the native americans just with the horse and the firearm were on their way to eradicating the buffalo or extirpating yeah. meaning you know extinction Locally, and local local, local extinction, extinction yeah. and that because they stopped farming right they would they would they would follow the buffalo yes, became nomadic exactly yeah. because there's they're a fucking two thousand pound animal that just stands still yeah i mean yeah and they had guns and they were on horses so they could ride as fast as the buffalo could run buffalo's, get up to them buffalo's em. delicious yeah and it's like shooting a house yeah. so they what had happened was when the western people came and killed like millions of buffaloes and stacked them on top of each other and the reason why there were so many buffalo in the first place is they had gotten widely out of control or wildly out of control because so many native americans had died mm. really i mean it's we're really doing a wild a, thing. we're doing a, a really bad job of explaining this but apparently this guy um, dan flores has some really 
interesting information and a deep, deep base of knowledge on this mm. on this subject, and all sorts of historical points of reference reference that he can point to that explains why these animals had died off and what was going on. But it's it's amazing when you think that this country, like you're talking about the the very earliest European settlers, 1400s, 1500s. That's nothing. No, it's nothing. It's not. It's a blink of an eye. It's 500 years ago. I also think it's very patronizing to suggest that the Native Americans weren't exactly like white people in a lot of ways in terms of just they they would they of course they would hunt things to extirpation. I mean, uh, just they didn't like know any word. better, right? I mean, these human beings are like going to go in that kind of rugged terrain. You're gonna you're gonna follow buffalo if it's that easy. And, yeah. if, and if you kill them, you'll go to the next herd. Come on. But I also do think that the way they were living by taking everything from this animal, yeah. utilizing every piece of the animal, yes, us- utilizing yes. the bones, yeah. utilizing the They were the better hide. stewards of the earth, yes, for sure. without a doubt. Yeah. And they were more engaged in the whole relationship that they had to these animals that they were killing and eating. Well, I think our legacy, if we're not careful, you know, our modern man, uh, I'm talking about our legacy in 2014. If we're not careful, our, our legacy may very well be that we destroyed this earth, you know, I mean, or made it a lot worse. And that's that's really hard to stop with the onslaught of technology and all the, you know, just the the growth of our population and how many resources we need and the byproducts and the wastes. But uh, that's that's a huge challenge, man. And I don't know the answer to how you stop it, but yeah, it's interesting, man. It's it's really it's science really crazy. is the answer, though. Science is is probably the way we're going to figure out. Uh, not probably. I think it's the only way out. Taking carbon out of the atmosphere, growing food with less water and less space, all that stuff. Oh, somebody corrected me. The Dan Carlin episode is uh, the Prophets of Doom. That's the one that's on. Um, thanks to Tesp. From the uh, shout out to Tesp from the Rogan board, uh, that's the Dan Carlin episode. But yeah, I'm I, I I'm I'm a really big optimist. I mean, I'm always hoping that we're going to get our shit together, always. But whether or not science too. is the answer, or whether or not Ebola fixes the problem, or a super volcano, we have to start all over again, like the Sumatra volcano. I know, but can you imagine if we had to start over? I was thinking about that. I was like, no. The we're getting so close to doing some cool stuff, right, man. Right, but what is it? Cool stuff for who? It's cool stuff for you? You're not going to be here to see it. Cool stuff for your kids? I mean, what it, I our role know. is very strange. Our role is very strange because we're a piece of a puzzle that likes to pretend that we're the thing. We're, we're not. We're a, we're a grain of sand. Not yes, even. Yes, but I do think that what I think about is that what gives us meaning is all of us, no matter, most of us at least, unless you're a crazy person, but all of us are always working, like even even like Dawkins and people who are sort of nihilists, people who say, well, the, you know, we're, we're a grain of sand and none of this means anything, it's all meaningless. If that were the case, they are still writing books to tell us how meaning, meaningless it is. Everybody is very busy working very hard at their own expression. And I think it's because, and we were talking about this, some people, like, you know, they want to score social brownie points. But for the most part, human beings work very hard to try to at least influence for the better the people that we love, the people we're connected to, the people that we are... Um, but we're trying to make things better for ourselves, but the reality and is... people that we love, Our though, sun is going to burn out, our, our planet is going to no longer be able, able to support life. Everything is temporary. It's just the timeline is enormous. It's like, is it doesn't have meaning. Sure, it has meaning currently, but that's what we need to concern ourselves with. What, what, ha- what holds meaning to you and the people that you love? 
Those things are important. Yeah, but the reality right. of life on this planet is, first of all, the reality of human beings. You know, we're joking around about one of my ancestors fucking a monkey. But the reality is, we are going, if, if human beings stay alive, okay, if civilization continues to innovate and we continue to get to this, this insane progression of technology that we're currently involved in, if that keeps growing and keeps happening, we will laugh at how goofy and ape-like we were That's in 2014 right. in our search our for meaning. primitive machinery, which yeah. is our, our original biology, well, our is search- already becoming obsolete right I mean, sort of i mean at the very least it's 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 outdated and well, it's, Ray it's Kurzweil said, we'll look at our bodies the way we look at a cell from from the 80s as you're able to like mesh your body with machines and you become more efficient in everything from holding your breath for an hour underwater or red blood cells to keep you warm or whatever it might be technology tissue regeneration nanotechnology robotics and and biocompatible machinery like that is going to change our very biology well which leads a whole new set of problems at a certain point in time will we even be a person anymore and will we even be what we consider a carbon-based life form anymore very exactly because we're inventing synthetic biology and let's take it a step further uh is as you're able to download memory if. And you're, if you're able to download memory, if you're able to download what goes on in our brains. Uh, I've seen people criticize him. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen people criticize his ideas saying that those things won't be possible. But I think what they're missing is that we can replicate it without even totally understanding its processes. Like the, 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 the thing is like we don't understand all the complex processes of, uh, of you know, utilizing proteins and this and that and how many steps and phases it takes to create a human being. But they could recreate what it is to be a human being without all those processes if they have a different mechanism. So instead of a biological mechanism of cells and proteins and vitamins and nutrients and, you know, neurotransmitters and all the different things that grow into being a person, if it's silicon-based, if it's some sort of computer-based system that emulates all of the processes of being a human being and does it better maybe yeah very possible yeah very possible yeah i mean look at that dude that that guy that shot his wife in uh south africa yeah. the blade runner dude Pistorius. yeah Oscar that Pistorius. motherfucker with those stupid blades was running way faster probably than he could have without them yeah that's right well, and the other thing is that we learn more about the brain. Like, it, it really throws in the question. Like, you people talk about having out of body experiences. Well, what they found is they can they can manipulate, they can touch parts of the brain that give people out of body experiences, where they, they feel like they're watching everything mm-hmm. from their body, which is fascinating to me because that was always sort of the idea. I'm looking down as I was dying; I could see myself mm-hmm. and all that. Well, it may be that there's a chemical thing going on in the brain where you actually you can actually manipulate that and replicate that process. It's just well, not, not even maybe. Well, here's the other thing. We know about dreams. Dreams are a very real thing. Everyone, I think everyone, most people have dreams. Dream. Yeah. So what is a dream? A dream is an illusion. It's not really happening. What's something you're imagining, something really intricate and detailed. I had some fucking crazy dreams when we were sleeping in, so uh, in tents in, I had in Alaska. Really yeah. bizarre dreams. So 
when you know you're talking about near death experiences, the people are unconscious when they're having these. Like, of, like, oh, there's so much deep meaning to it. Really? Well, I was on a skateboard. I was getting chased by Godzilla in a dream. Is there deep meaning in that? Yeah. Because both of them are illusions. You weren't really flying above your body, okay? And I wasn't really getting chased by Godzilla. They they both probably seemed equally real. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a dream in and of itself is a very fucking strange thing. You shut your brain off every night, you close your eyes, and your mind starts a process that we don't totally understand. We know there's a bunch of things happening, like REM sleep, rapid eye movement. We know now that there's neurotransmitters that are moving in and out of the brain and fucking around with your consciousness while you're out, and we know what processes are shutting down and turning off, but we don't totally understand what dreaming is. We don't understand it. We really don't understand why we even need it. It's amazing. It's incredible. So when someone talks about like having a near-death experience, like, yeah, maybe you're fucking dreaming. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. You don't either. I know. It changed me so much. But I I I think eventually we'll figure it out. That's for sure. At least be able to replicate dreams or have, you know. Perhaps. Maybe we'll transcend before we figure it out. I mean, we might abandon the body before we even totally understand its processes. It really throws into turmoil the people who have strict orthodox religious beliefs too i mean they're already fucked yeah they're already fucked you know i was watching this video before you got here richard dawkins arguing with his islamic people and this guy was talking about how moral islam is and how it's important and ethics and this and that and dawkins just kept hammering this dude he said what is the price that you must pay if you abandon islam and the guy didn't want to answer it the guy didn't want to answer it and then he went back to it what is it apostrophe apostate apostate but what's the what's the actual expression of leaving? It's not you don't say oh, I, ha- I committed if apostate. If you leave, you're an apostate. Apostrophe. Right? So I don't know. Whatever it is, what's the what what is what is you're an the, apostate? Right, but what's the what is it like? You know, the like process, perjury. The po- you know, like uh, the, yeah, um, if you per I don't know perjure yourself. It's called yeah. perjury. Whatever apostrophe, I think it's called. But anyway. The guy wouldn't answer it. He didn't want to answer it. He was trying to skirt around it. And Dawkins kept hammering him. It's finally, he goes, it's the death penalty. He goes, well, there you go. You leave Islam and it's, you have to be killed. Like, it's, that's, that's in your religion. Do you understand that that's fucking crazy? Like, that's the death penalty. And the guy was just, like, stammering. He was just stuck there. Because that is the reality. Mm-hmm. Not only that, in, in Islamic countries, some insane number, like in the 90 percentile, believe that you should be stoned to death for adultery well but 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 i have to just having lived there for a long time i do have to come to the defense of the fact that that those just like with with the book of deuteronomy and judaism which says exactly the same thing by the way most muslims it says if you leave christianity you get killed no and in the book of deuteronomy i mean a lot of those laws come from the old testament remember the the quran was very heavily influenced by the old testament the quran uh, in many ways is a rebuttal to the new testament saying that jesus christ is not god but 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 most of the old the ten commandments and things are held as Quranic laws, well, okay, so so so. Right, but it does. Where does it ever say? But those things come from the old Jewish law. But where does it ever say that if you leave Christianity, you're supposed to be killed? It doesn't. I'm talking about. I'm just saying that that Islam got that from Judaism. Okay, that that's what I'm saying. And so, and but, but the point I was making is that well, I don't most that. Well, Muslims, saying- most Muslims in in I would I would guarantee I promise you don't believe that adultery that you should stone a woman to death most Muslims aren't even that religious and there's this misconception and also Islam is very very the 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 religion if you look at the difference between Indonesian Muslims for example and Wahhabi Muslims who are 
in Saudi Arabia, it's vastly different because the way they interpret the Quran. The Quran is, can be interpreted, it's the most easily and widely interpreted religion as well. It leaves very, very, very open for interpretation. So, so, and that's what Islamic scholars will always tell you. And, and most Muslims don't hold that point of view. Right, but they isn't that like saying that most Christians believe in evolution? I mean, it's like, what is the what is the religion based on if you start deviating from it and adding in a bunch of your own thoughts and then just sort of ignoring the old stuff, like Old People Testament stuff. People do that with religion, all the stuff. Though. They do. Uh, yeah. But, that does, but that does, does that matter? Because a bunch of people still do that, I mean, isn't the heart of it still ridiculous? Uh, well, you, I, I think that Dawkins, though, might be harping on an... Ext- on on one aspect of Islam, when when what when well, you no, could no, also no, look no. at the he was, other, he was yeah. he was talking in broad terms, right. but he wanted to pick one very important point. Like when people were yeah. talking about it being in, in a religion yes. of peace, he was saying, "Really? Well, how come if you leave, you're supposed to be killed? That's not peaceful." I and 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 that's a very good point, a very good question, and 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 an important question to ask. I, I also think that. There is also value in Islam to a lot of Muslims because it is a blueprint for how to live their lives and it works for them. Uh, for example, be charitable to people. Charity is a very big part of Islam. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of examples of that. Modesty, charity, and things like that. It's when people take in, interpret these things literally, i.e. fundamentally, or if um, they take it as symbology, as 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 a suggestions of how to live your life, just like you could be a Christian uh, fundamentalist, and you're going to be a very different person than if you are a regular Christian who takes this symbolism. Jamie, pull up, just Google "not radical Islam" and then pull up a video. Pull up videos from "not radical Islam" on Google, and it's the very first video. It's called "It's not the radical." Um, it's Islam when. I don't know what the word is. S H A Y K H. What's that word? I don't know how, how you Islam say it. But anyway, is, this Islam guy is, is being interviewed. This guy is communicating with this group of people. And uh, they're all these other Islamics or other Muslims. And he's talking about how people are con- confused about what radical Islam is and what's just actual Islam mm-hmm. and what the, what the law is right. and what you're supposed to do. And l- watch this video. They always attack the Muslims or Islam in particular. While for for some certain things, hear, for sorry. example about gays, you know, put your headphones on. They always attack us and, and the teachings towards this matter, for example. While in Christianity and in Judaism, it's the same uh, punishment uh, that exists. You know, I mean, it's haram and uh, so why they're always, for example, focusing on Islam and not uh, Judaism or or Christianity. While, for example, also in Jerusalem. For those who've been to Jerusalem, in, in, in the bosses in Jerusalem, for example, when, um, women sit separate than men, for example. You know, So why, like five minutes ago or, or early, we were asked about why Muslims uh, has to be sitting separate, you know, men and women. But they never ask uh, these questions to Jews or, or Christians, why specifically Muslims or Islam. Didn't you answer this question yesterday? And you said that you need to ask the media. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. But he needs an answer. He was not here. But the other people were here. The other people will uh, suffer because of you. (laughs) The the, the answer is very simple. Islam is the truth. And Christianity and Judaism are not the truth. (laughs) Yeah, but that's a comment regarding this topic. May I, Sheikh? You are the big boss. 
Yeah, but you are the sheikh. You are the doctor. Yes. Can we have the camera? Can we have this camera focusing on all the audience, sir? Can we have this camera focusing on all the audience? Because every now and then, every time we have a conference, every time we invite a speaker, they always can come with the same accusations. This speaker supports death penalty for homosexuals. This speaker supports death penalty for this crime or this crime or that. He is homophobic. He, they subjugate women, etc., etc., etc. It's the same old stuff coming all the time. And we always try to tell them, I always try to tell them that, look, it's not that speaker that we're inviting who has these extreme radical views, as you say. These are general views that every Muslim actually has. Every Muslim believes in these things. Just because they're not telling you about it, or just because they're not out there in the media, doesn't mean they don't believe in them. So I will ask you, everyone in the room, how many of you are normal Muslims, you're not extremists, you're not radical, this is normal Sunni Muslims. Please raise your hands. Everybody, mashaAllah, subhanAllah. Okay, take down your hands again. How many of you agree that men and women should sit separate? Please raise your hands. All of them raise their hands. Yeah, but... Hold on. This is... Everyone agree. Everyone agree. Brothers and sisters, Subhanallah. So, so it's not just these radical sheikhs then. Allahu Akbar. Next question. How many of you agree that the punishments described in the Quran and the Sunnah, whether it is death, whether it is stoning for adultery, whatever it is, if it is from Allah and His Messenger, that is the best punishment ever possible for humankind. And that is what we should apply in the world well, who, who agrees with that and they all raise their hand Allahu Akbar are you all the radical extremists subhanallah so all of you are saying that you are common Muslims you all go to the different massages no way or is it are you like a specific sect like the Islam net sect or anything like that are you like that no is it, are you like that? Please raise, your, please raise your hand if you like this extreme Islam, that sect or anything like that. No one. Allahu Akbar. How many of you just go to these normal mas masajids in Norway? The normal Sunni mosques. Please raise your hands. All of them raise their hands. Allahu Akbar. God is great. That's so what what's, what's the politicians going to say now? What is the media going to say now? That we're all extremists? We're all radicals. We need to deport all of us from this country. Subhanallah. Allahu Akbar. Takbir. 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 May we have the next question, please?
Isn't that fascinating? Well, I don't. Come on. Th- I, I, I don't. don't I don't like those kind of videos, to be honest with you, because I, I I happen to think that if you took a cross section of people from all over the Muslim world, you'd find very different points of view. You'd find people who were way more liberal than that guy, uh, and I think it's because people are living their lives. They don't even have time to go to mosque. Just like you see with Christians, just like you see with Jews, there's a great deal of debate. I think the problem with the Muslim world today is uh, most moderate Muslims, and that's most, are just silent okay but what does that mean though what it means what it means that he's saying on stage when he's asking are you are you regular muslims and if you are regular muslims raise your hand they raise their hand if you believe that the message that's in the quran is the correct way to handle any situation raise your hand if you believe that it's the way to handle adultery raise your hand and they're all raising their hand those are real people. They're not real people. I don't know whoa, who those people are. I don't whoa, know where whoa, that whoa. is. What does that mean? I don't know what where. Does that mean? I don't know who those people are. I don't know where that is. I don't know what the context is. I mean, I don't think that's a good example. A but room full of say, people. How can you uh, say that they're not real? Because people? a room people full of people like that in that clip is not a, not necessarily a good representation of most Muslims. It just isn't. Uh, you know, I, I think there are problems with Islam like any other religion. I think there are problems with certain populations of of Muslims who have been isolated. There's a lot of. There might be a lot of ignorance in certain parts of the world, like the Middle East, where there isn't a lot of money or exposure to other ideas. Yes, but I, I think that that is, that is very anti-Islamic and very slanted in its own way. Wait a minute, what is? Just just taking a, not I'm not saying you are, I'm saying when you, when, if you took that and you look at one video and decide that's how Muslims think in general, I think it's a mistake. Well, the, first of and, all, this video is a pro-Islam site that put this okay. video up. Well, this video is put up by Islamnet video, Islam.net, yeah. and what they're trying to tell you is that these ideas that people are calling radical Islam are not radical. They are just Islamic ideas. This is not like a, a propaganda video. No, no, I, I've read the Quran. They are. But, but, but what I'm saying is this is not a propaganda video. This is a pro-Islamic website that's putting these videos out. I understand. All I'm saying is that that, for, that to me, that, that video to me, leaves non-Muslims with the impression that all Muslims are extreme. And what I'm saying is I don't believe that they are. Uh, I mean, this country, a Christian country for, for all intents and purposes, puts a great number of people to death, and we have a lot of people on death row for for crimes, especially for murder, right? But that's, the state is non-secular. a secular thing. It's not done because of religion. When you put people in jail or kill them because of murder, you're not doing it because it's in the Bible. But our justice system is very much based on the notion that everybody's of the same moral worth, which is a Christian idea. Yeah, but because a it's a Christian idea. idea, it's not based on the Christian faith, meaning you have to be a Christian to ascribe to it. Like well, these ideas are very, yeah. this is very different. Like no one's saying that God says that we should kill people for adultery, so we have to kill people for adultery in this country. Like we're talking about crimes against other human beings. That's the reason why people are killed in this right. country. I mean, when you're killing someone in Texas for murder, you're not doing it because it's sure. a crime against God. What what you're seeing in that video is a religion. You're, you're seeing a representation of a religion. Are there more moderate representations of that religion? That's all I'm Unquestionably, yeah. there certainly are. But at what point in time 
I mean, what is the religion then? I mean, if it becomes more moderate and be- if you don't ascribe to certain things that are in this ancient text that tell you there's very clear laws and rules that you're supposed to that's, abide by. That's the question. What is, that's yeah, a very wh- good question. What is the religion then? What is a religion at all? If you just decide, well, we're going to morph it because it's 2014 and we think that the new evidence shows that homosexuals are actually born and it's not their fault. It's just a part of genetics and it's right. part of life itself. It's like having red hair or a big nose. You, some people are gay. And well, that's a, that's a really, really good question and i think that i think in my opinion i think you can you could identify as a christian as a muslim as a as a jew and not hold all the tenets of that particular religion but why then what is a but are you just a, a human that just accepts you you pull and choose and yeah pluck? people do it all the time right but what is that then how are you a christian you, you're not That's subscribing to the full ideology you're, you're you're not a fundamentalist yeah but what are you then you're 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 a believer who believes in the in not in the letter of the law but rather in the symbol in the in the suggestion and the idea that we can reach to be as good as we can be and that some laws that were written 15, 1400 years ago in this case or whatever I think that's how long it was are outdated because science etc is starting to show us that a lot of those laws do not hold relevance in our everyday lives and in fact are probably unethical or immoral but isn't that completely fascinating when you look at yes. all these different countries that do believe that if you leave Islam you are uh, you're a dead person mm-hmm. you should be killed if you commit adultery you're a dead person you should be killed I mean there's a bunch of different things if you're homosexual you should be killed with rocks very important questions to ask and very important for the Muslim world to debate and they're going through that debate right now just like Judaism and Christianity went through that debate I yeah. mean p- how many people were burned at the stake in 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 the name of of you know witchcraft uh, in in Salem and all over Europe for that matter because they were not what good Christians, yeah. um, you know. So so I think I think this is a product of a religion under uh, you know uh, I think actually that these debates and the questions you're asking, which are also being asked in the Muslim world, are crucial because it's how a religion, you know. It's it's the it's the process a religion must go through and contend with. It's gotta favor or oppose making Sharia the law of the land. This is the percentage of Muslims who favor making Islamic law the official law in their country. Ready for this? Afghanistan ninety nine percent, Pakistan eighty four percent, Bangladesh eighty two percent, Iraq ninety one percent. Palestine, 89%. Morocco, 83%. I mean, these are crazy numbers. Niger in sub-Saharan Africa, 86%. A lot of those countries, I would I would imagine, are also very poor, and I don't know how they're mm-hmm. polling, but I think a lot of those those countries, when you've got nothing, you turn to religion. And Absolutely. the way you solve that problem is with commerce. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is uh, it is a scary thought, though, that we're in this part of the world. I mean, there's a giant chunk of human beings that have these ideals. Mm. I mean, these are, these are ideas that are incredibly common in yeah. giant chunks of the world, millions of people. And when you're talking about what a religion is, and there's so many moderates, well, what is this religion then? I mean, if there are moderates who don't believe that you should be stoned to death, who don't believe that you should be killed if you leave, who don't believe you should, killed, should be killed with rocks if you're an adulterer, what is that religion then? I mean, at what point in time does it sort of dwindle off? Does it go away? Does well, it Iraq get is a good example. Like, that statistic is very surprising to me, and I'm not sure I believe it because Iraq was, remember, it was basically under Saddam Hussein. You weren't really allowed to even bring a Quran to school school or mm-hmm. to, to a public place it was right you know the shia are way are, are are a little bit more 
religious in some ways than than the than the Sunni, although that's that's a big actually with ISIS those are they're they believe in Wahhab and Wahhab uh, Wahhab and Wahhabism and stuff. But um, I, I think that you know Iraq, from what I understand, was essentially. Um, they were Baathists, which was the idea was that you were secular, that, that, that all Arabs should band together and there should be sort of this belt of Arab unity, mm. uh, which was what uh, Nasser was trying to do in Egypt, et cetera, et cetera, unify the Arabs under one sort of but, – but Saddam Hussein was very sort of, until later on, was very anti – Islam in a lot of ways. You yeah, know, well, that was a secular it. nation. It was yeah. a secular nation before we invaded it, and now it's a civil war between two varying sects of Islam. Yeah. It's yeah. It just, to me, I think that ideologies are very dangerous, and they are. rigid ideologies that are thousands of years old are the most dangerous. 100%. Speaking of Seventh Heaven, oh boy. <laughs> there's a show that Brian used to be on. God damn. Um, uh, a religious show. Right? I mean... I, I have to pee because I want to talk about this. Yeah, please. Uh, this is very important. Go ahead. Go, right. go do your little squirt and we'll, we'll talk about did. this because uh, this is fucking really spooky stuff. Um, there was a show called Seventh Heaven and uh, Brian was on it. Um, he... Uh, I don't remember the exact nature of the show, but it had something to do with religion. Um, he, so anyway, this guy whose name is Stephen Collins... Uh, he played a pastor on this show, Seventh Heaven. He confessed to his estranged wife that he was a child molester. And it's all on tape, apparently. Um, she recorded, they were having meetings with a counselor, and um, she recorded him talking to this therapist, and she was asking him all these questions about these incidents and uh, he was very specific about the answers, and she taped the therapy session. And apparently, it's legal to secretly record a conversation because in California, you're allowed to secretly record conversations to gather evidence that the other person committed a violent felony. And molesting a child under the age of 14 is considered a violent felony. This is amazing stuff. Um, they... There was uh, he confessed to molesting an 11-year-old girl, a relative of his first wife. It's so sick, man. He, I mean, he was talking in 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 great detail about these things. Uh, he he did it a few times to this one girl when she was 11, 12, or or 13. And um, this guy, I mean, he was playing a pastor. It's just, uh, I, it's, it's really sick stuff. Well, what's, what's crazy is that I, I have on my acting reel, there's a scene with him and I doing the scenes, one of the best scenes I ever did. And it's really weird because I knew him really well. I know him very well. And, you know, usually when you read about this, you go, well, that guy, that guy's, that guy should be put in jail right away and all that stuff. And it's an interesting thing because I've been thinking about it. Like, I feel like. And I want to be careful how I say this because I know him well. I feel like this is a this is a a guy who's a good guy with a sickness, like a like a compulsion and a sickness. So when you say good guy, I I think that I think that I don't know, man. I, I I'm I just I find myself shaking my head and scratching my head. But I know Stephen well, and I think I think it's possible. Is it possible that you are? 
you you mean good to everybody, your fellow man, yet you have a compulsion and a sickness that you don't know what to do about. And this article that I was reading to you about, in uh, we were on the plane, and there was an article in the New York Times written about pedophilia and how a lot of pedophiles have these urges. They don't act on them. They live in fear. They have no control sometimes. And sh- this woman was saying, if those people... Because all of us want to punish somebody like that, right? The minute we see that, I have daughter, you have daughter. It's like, I don't want that guy on the street. I don't want that guy near kids. We understand that. And we all go, we got to get that guy in jail. But there's a bigger question to say, and that is this. If you have these feelings, you're a pedophile, and you have these feelings. You just have these urges. Is, shouldn't there be somewhere for these people to go where they, can, where they can say, I'm having these feelings, I need help because I feel like I'm going to touch a child. That seems to be creating a place for those people to go and somehow seek help, I feel is m- more important than if they, if, they, if, they, if they don't have anywhere to go for help. And they know if they go anywhere, they're going to lose their job, they're going to lose their life and everything else. They're not going to go anywhere and they're going to touch a kid. So the, the, the end result here is we got to figure out a way so less kids get, you know, molested, right? Right. It raises a very difficult debate and question, which is if this is indeed a sickness and, and there's a lot of evidence that maybe it is even neurological, like there's an overwhelming number of pedophiles that are left-handed, an overwhelming number of pedophiles that um, have trouble with spatial relationships. Yeah, this was the, in the New York Times article that you were reading on the plane yesterday. Yes. Which is so fascinating. This came out today. Yeah. And yeah. then here's this friend of mine who I really, really like. I mean, I, he's a... He's just funny and and does a lot of work for charity. He's got kids of his own. Well, apparently it wasn't just one instance. No. The, the, uh, the LAPD is reopening an investigation from 2012 uh, where his uh, a, a niece of a neighbor yeah, was and he went, accusing he, him. I guess he admitted it to his wife and then he went to counseling Well, to I talked help. about it while you went in the bathroom. Oh, okay, and yeah. it was all recorded by his wife and the yeah. recording is legal because he was uh, doing a violent crime. It's, it's awful, man. Yeah. It's, it's really awful. Man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm shaking my head. I don't know. Uh, but I do think that it, oh, it's a very important debate to have. Is the, sh- If it's considered, if it's a mental, a form of... A mental illness should they have somewhere to go to say hey i have these urges i don't want to touch kid please help me it should there be a safe haven for pedophiles to get help so that they don't touch children or at least it lowers the chances that they will tell touch children that's the difficult question to ask yeah it's it's some scary shit you know to think that you could be a person that is in all other ways a normal person but like a crackhead around crack God. they're compelled like you you have an alcoholic and you set a glass of whiskey in front of them and you pour a glass of whiskey. I mean, they're drawn to that whiskey. It's like a sickness. Exactly. But that whiskey is not hurting anybody other than themselves. When you see someone who's a pedophile and they're drawn to children, we, we tend to lose all of our sympathy mm-hmm. and all of our understanding. Mm-hmm. And it's because we want to protect our, our people you know we want to protect our family children you but know. could you imagine i mean i'm not being sympathetic towards child molesters i mean believe me i am the least sympathetic i, I have a very primal urge to break his fucking head open with a rock right but imagine being this poor fuck i mean what is it about him that makes him want to go to this 11 year old girl and put her hand on his Jesus dick Jesus christ it's fucked, but it's, I was on that show for two years. I worked with him. What was you know, the premise the of the show? Was it, it was, it was about a religious an all-American show. family? 
Uh, like they, basically, it, the premise was this is the perfect family, and they're an example for everybody. He was the minister and the father, and he had a he had a wife and and children. Uh, and uh, and I played this. I remember I my first scene. I played this alcoholic who comes back in this kid Peter's life, and he he counsels me. You know, I'm a real a hole, and he counsels me, and you know, and and I really got to know him because we had so many scenes together, and spent a lot of time. Did a reading for him. I've talked to him on the phone about SAG and all kinds of stuff, and it's just fucking. It's just I don't know, man. So this Fuck. is confirmed. Fuck, I, mean, I never would have thought that, dude. Like, you know what I mean? That's the other thing. Like, some people you go, there's no way. Well, of course, that's a that's a good person who. Uh, I'd leave my kid with that. Per- you know, anyway, I, I, it's you just don't know. You don't know, man. You don't know what goes on in the inner recesses of someone's yeah. brain. But yeah. I do think I do think this is a case. If there's ever been one, I don't know anything. I'm not an expert, but of 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 a good person with a sickness, you know, of a guy. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just I'm just I don't even know what to say about it. It's dark. It's dark yeah. shit. Dark, scary, awful stuff. And it's then just- I started thinking about other things that are really hard to even talk about, like, like there's what is. And there's a molestation of a child. We already know what it does to most people, the revulsion and what you want to do. And then there are different levels of molestation that nobody really talks about. Touching and then actual sex. Right. Right? And one I would imagine and I have to believe is way more traumatic than the other. Yeah. Um, I don't know how the law sees it, but you know, the I, guy's I think, life is done. I think se- it's sex is sex. I mean, I think the law sees it like if you're involving genitals and touching. I mean, it's one thing. If there's you sexual have- misconduct, though, and then there's assault, mm. right? So one is penetration, I think, and the well, other Well, they're calling is- this violent sex, and that's the reason why she was allowed, or he, rather, uh, the, the woman, rather, his wife, yeah. I was right the first time, she was allowed to record him in these counseling sessions is because it's violent sex. But what what is violence? That's where it's it gets weird. It's violent crime, not violent right. sex, but it falls under the umbrella mm-hmm. of violent crime. Right. Yeah. But uh, what is violence? It isn't violent. I thought violence is like trauma. I thought violence is like aggression. If if someone takes your hand and gently puts it on their dick, it's awful, right? Right. Obviously evil. But is that violent? Because if he is dating a woman and he takes his hand and or takes her hand and put puts it on his dick that's not violent right or is it thought to be violent if she didn't want him to do that here's I mean, even, it was one i mean if she resists right like so let's say let's say he's with a woman they go back to his place they're having a glass of wine they're just talking and he put takes her hand and he puts it on his dick and you know and she resists and then he lets go is that violent or what if he takes his, her hand and he puts it on his dick and she struggles the whole way. That's violent. But if she doesn't resist at all, and she just goes... He was being inappropriate right, or what so, it, assuming. Yeah, or what is, what is, what's violent? I mean, it, the word violent's a weird word. I mean, I guess we're kind of but, but having but you a have conversation, to have that conversation about semantics. No, you're not. You no? have to have... No. But because, why violence? Uh, but because, first of all, I think there is a difference between anal rape and, oh, and, yeah. and vaginal rape and being touched. I was... When I was a kid in camp, I was 11. I was, I guess, technically molested by my camp counselor, who was an old man in his 40s, and he was touching me and fondling me. I woke up and he had his hand in my pants and he was playing with my, my you know, my piece. You gag. My gag. And I remember going, I remember being 11 going, this is weird, man. He's got a beard and he smells weird and he's touching my wiener. I don't think this makes sense. So then I tell my friend John and Donnie, I go, hey, did, did he touch you down there? And my friend Donnie goes, yeah, he sucked me down there. 
Yeah, and then my buddy John goes, he touched me too. So I go, I'm going to tell my mom. And I marched, but my mother was coming for parent weekend. I was away at camp. My mother came, and I, I went right up to her. And I go, hey, that guy touched my dick. He sucked Donnie's dick, and he touched John's dick. And my mother went right to the camp. And the guy back then, this was probably, I don't know, what was it, 1978 or whatever, he got fired and just sent on his way. There was no criminal thing. Yeah, that was it. Sent on his way. And wow. when they told his wife, he was married, when they told his wife, his wife laughed and said, oh, God, he's up to that again. <gasps> yes. And my mother told me that. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. His wife laughed? Yes. And said he's up to that yes. again? Yes. She was the arts and craft counselor. She had short hair. Whoa. Anyway. But, but isn't it strange how much our attitudes about those types of have things changed. have changed really, really radically? Well, I think because we people are more open to talk about it and talk about the damage it did when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And I think, but I'm the point I'm raising is that it all depends on the circumstances, the level of molestation, and what kind. I don't think that damaged me, but I don't. Look I can't speak for this girl. Look, Look at, at you. me. You're I a mess. Who am I talking You're about? You're a mess. I'm it a stand-up comedy. That. It all came I'm a from that stand-up one comic. A beard and a hand That's on it. your dick. That's it. But, but you do have to have that conversation about levels of degree because if you don't, then it's not fair to people who are really raped. And, you know, I mean, who are vaginally and anally and all that other stuff. Yeah. There's a difference. Well, that's why this whole yes means yes law, which was recently passed in California, is is kind of offensive to people that have actually been raped. Yes. If you don't know this law, the idea being that a lack of resistance does not equal consent. And you must get consent. And so if someone... Thanks for taking all the romance out of sex, by the way. Fucking well, a-holes. It's crazy. But, but I guess... <laughs> I kind of see why they're doing it. I kind of see that they don't want someone to feel like they were overwhelmed by someone and they didn't know what to do and they couldn't say anything. And so they think that by forcing people to say, yes, I want to have sex with you, that this would... But then it's also feminists want to be able to withdraw consent after the fact if they feel like they were tricked. So they, they want to be able to cry rape if you manipulated and lied to them, like said, I love you, make love to me, and they have, you have sex, and they're I don't love you, you, you fucking, fucking kidding dummy. kidding me? No, I'm not. No, that's that's a real tenet of some <laughs> forms of radical okay. feminism. Okay. They, they want to be able to withdraw consent after the fact. Well, those lunatics can say what they want, but here's what I... This is why I think that's lunacy, and why I think it's so insulting. If you're gang-raped, you're held there's down a, by a stranger... An app now. There's a couple apps Jesus for the Christ. iPhone. Uh, there's one called Good to Go. What is this one? Is that the yeah. Good to Go? Yeah. yeah. So you, you like? I don't even know if it does it work on fingerprints or something like that. What does yeah, it work yeah, on? Yeah, you use your fingerprint. Yeah, some minute. of them work on fingerprints. Gross. And you have an app, and I have an app, it's and gross. you click yes, and I click yes, and what are gross. we doing? You know. Well, that's that that that's fucking lunacy in my opinion, and and I think it's a real insult to people who've been held down and raped by strangers or or somebody they know in a violent manner. You know, it's. There are, I do think that there are times when somebody can be, you know, th- th- a woman is so overwhelmed, she, ha- she doesn't know what to say and she gets raped. I'm not a woman. I don't know what the fuck goes on, okay? And there's 100% I understand that. There's date rape and all that stuff. Well, there's also times where you really wish you said no and you don't like when it's happening and you don't know what to do and you just sit there yeah. and a guy has sex with you. Yes. But I don't know what that is. Is that sexual assault? How, how is the man supposed to know if you don't say anything? Right. There's There's exactly. that. And if you do say something and the man continues, well, that's rape, right? If you yes. say, please stop, take, you know, don't take my pants off, don't have sex with me, and the guy does it anyway, 
We both agree that's rape. Yes. So, what, but then there's a problem with they're trying to say that if you're consuming alcohol, I had Thaddeus Russell on the podcast. Okay, he's a professor at Occidental Occidental College or University. We never figured it out. It's a college. It's college. college. I think. Okay. He was a professor at this college where. These two kids, they were both freshmen, they were both young, they got drunk, they had sex, and the girl decided that it was rape because she was drunk when they had sex. Meanwhile, on her text messages, she's sending a text message to her friend, um, she sent a text message to him, he's saying, come over here, she says, do you have a condom? He says, yes. She texts her friend, I'm about to go have sex. She went over to his house, she had sex with him, and then afterwards, the college decided that this was rape. Because she was intoxicated. But he was intoxicated too. They're both Christ. intoxicated. They're communicating back and forth with each other. But somehow or another, he's responsible for his actions. He was expelled from college. She wasn't. It sounds like like people who hate men. It's feminism. Yeah. That's a big part of what some feminism is. Not all feminism. A lot of feminism is just striving for equality. Yeah, I'm a, Equal I'm a representation. feminist in that sense. Yes, in that sense. Yeah. But the real problem is... One of the women at Occidental College that Thaddeus Russell referenced, who co counseled this this girl, said that he fits the profile, ready for this, for being a rapist because he came from a good family, because he's a valedictorian, and because he's on a sports team. Wow. 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 That's terrifying. Be an underachiever, I guess, and then you won't be a rapist. But how terrifying is that, that he's privileged because he comes from a good family, that he's on a sports team, so he embraces the jock culture of, of, of sexual assault. And Which that, jocks don't, but whatever. Well, whatever. You know, and that he's a valedictorian, so because he's successful, he's got this like drive to succeed, which could lead him to being a rapist. Jesus Christ. What the and fuck? he got expelled? He got expelled. Well, he's suing and there's a big lawsuit. But look, his life is changed. Her yeah. life is changed. Both their lives are changed. And it's what happened. They got drunk and they fucked, man. And Thaddeus Russell had a really good point that I've always said is that one, one of the problems with women and sex is that we have this idea still in our heads, a lot of people do, that sex is a bad thing. And that a man having sex with a girl, the girl, he's done something to her, taking something from her. And a lot of it comes from a bunch of fucking idiots that think that a woman having sex with a man is a bad thing. So she gets shamed for it. So she feels bad for being shamed for having sex. And so she equates that with her having been, uh, like a crime's been committed on her. Because people will make you feel bad. Mm -hmm. Because you, you, oh, that guy fucked you. Oh, you loser. Like, no, no you had sex. You're normal. You're alive. Right. You're a person. You have hormones. It feels good. Good. Mm -hmm. You did it because you wanted to do it. Men and women do it. And it, it, it. Our Puritan values and our ridiculous notions, completely unequal, that a woman can have sexual experiences with a guy and more than one man, and she's a fucking slut. But if a guy does it, he's a stud. Right. It's stupid. Right. It's stupid, and it's all based on Puritan values, and it's a lot of it's based on the time before birth control. Bad disease when you didn't have yep. antibiotics, you had to be very careful sure. who you had sex with. But birth control, a big syphilis, one. No a, joke. A, a woman having these these responsibilities that she has to worry about becoming impregnated. You know, where a guy can just fucking shoot loads all fucking willy nilly to the cows come home and not worry about a goddamn thing happening to his body. He's celebrated. A yeah. woman has to be concerned every time she has intercourse that she might have to raise a child, drop out of school, or have an abortion. Yep. Those are those are the the real yep. cold hard facts. And so. This this, this ground is very uneven. But now you add in birth control, which is like a lot of people believe like one of the radical changes in society in this culture was 
in the 1950s when they invented, or 60s, when they invented, when did they invent birth control? 50s or 60s? One of those. I believe it was the 60s. But a massive change, massive change in the way human beings interacted, males and females. Because all of a sudden, the women's liberation movement happened. Women were allowed to have sex and not worry about constantly having to worry about being impregnated and Mm -hmm. having babies with these dudes. Well, they just wanted to fuck. They were just young people, wanted to live their life and wanted to... To do what their hormones were telling them to do, to, to enjoy it. It's one of the great fun things in life is a man and a woman having sex. And the, this idea that two people having sex, if they're drunk, is rape. The problem with it is it's only rape for the girl. It's not rape for the guy. No one is ever going to argue that if a guy and a girl get together and they have a couple of drinks and the girl gets on top of the guy and has sex with him, that the guy got raped. No one is ever going to argue that. You can't take it to court. You'll be laughed out of court. So that's really unfair and really uneven, and it's a response to the really unfair and really uneven views that we have about men and women and their sexuality. So you think, you think having, right now we're seeing a pendulum, we're seeing the high end of the yes, pendulum, yes. right? And it's going to come back and even yeah. out. Yeah, well, we're, we're seeing a reaction. I mean, we're seeing a reaction to the sex that's been marginalized, that females have been marginalized, that they've been oppressed, and then look, rape is fucking real as shit, man. Like, we're in Alaska, and one of the things that we talked about where we're in Alaska with people that live there is how many people get raped up there. Yeah. And that these how women, women, yeah. women who live in Alaska, you're dealing with high rates of alcoholism, you're dealing with isolated populations, and you're dealing with a lot of rape. Well, because there are few women, very few women mm-hmm. to, to men. In a Something lot of crazy, towns. like yeah. seven to one, crazy. seven men to one yeah. women. Yeah. So, let girls, if you're looking for dick, Alaska. Alaska. Woo-woo! A lot of, a lot of rugged men. But well, did you ever see they had those posters, like the men of Alaska, like calendars they used to sell yeah, to gals? Yeah. The men of Alaska, and dudes with fucking cowboy hats and giant dongs. <laughs> so then they were a fly fishing pole. Yeah. <laughs> I like to fish and fuck. Well, yeah, that's a funny thing about pornography when it comes to women. Like, some women enjoy watching men and women have sex, but very few women like Playgirl. Like, Playgirl is yeah. looking at guys' cocks. Yeah. That's for dudes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Playgirl is is for fucking dudes. If you're a guy and you pose for Playgirl, you're doing gay porn. Right. Sorry. I know you don't want to think. No, 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 bro, bro. Fucking girls are liberated, man. They like. Although more at women cat. are watching, more and more women apparently are watching porn. Like, Dude, I, w- I looked at one Playgirl once. Once. Just once. I had a gun to my head, uh, and a guy was like doing like what's that baby happy baby position? Where oh, you're, you're God. lying down, your feet are and up in the air, and your legs ankles? are bent. And he was holding his feet, oh. and his fucking cock was like three quarters hard because you're not allowed to show hard cocks in those magazines because right. hard cocks is hardcore pornography. Very strange. Soft dicks. When I was different. a kid, porn you weren't allowed to show hard ons. You had to show like semis, only right. semis. It was very strange. So like all porn scenes were guys like they were making pastries. They were all like squeezing the base of their dick like they were trying to write happy birthday with their <laughs> cock. It's like that was that was all porn. That was all all magazines. Yeah. There was no like penetration in magazines. Right. Now so all, you got red tube and XX and X and all that shit. Oh, it's, it's changed. Like our, our our ability to view sex has changed so radically that people, apparently, especially kids, are engaging in way more sex, way more sex early, and also and the kind of sex, sex they watch. Yeah. on TV because they think a lot of the women think they have to girls think they have to keep up with the boys' fantasies because mm-hmm. they've been watching all this porn. And boys get really bored too. Apparently, you know, I've heard, I've read studies or heard about studies where a lot of boys will um, 
like when you and I were growing up just seeing a naked girl we weren't looking at imperfections we were like holy fucking shit she's naked like I don't yeah boys now have access to you know these women that have been surgically enhanced and photoshopped and all that stuff and with makeup and and you know their linear their their appreciation for linear lines and you know all that stuff is is way more heightened they're way more picky and so a lot of women they'll kind of start they'll go with one girl and then they'll go to the next girl and there's a lot more of that apparently i don't know yeah apparently it's 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 amazing though that we we have all these weird hang-ups in this day and age when it comes to sex and i think a lot of it has to be because it's like sexual attraction is not an even thing I mean, have you ever been around a woman who is not sexually attractive, but she has a friend who's sexually attractive? There's a lot of the women who are non-sexually attractive get fucking aggressive. Yes. They don't like men. They try to keep men away from their friend. Yep. And they try to protect their friend it, but under the guise. But it's not. They're cock blockers. They're hardcore cock blockers because they're angry that they're not sexually attractive. And a lot of it is just a fucking genetic roll of the dice. Like you have perfect bone structure. Your nose is the perfect shape. Your body's perfect shape. And everybody's Thank gravitating you. towards you. But you go to the person on the left. And this person, you know, their dad was goofy looking. Their mom was goofy looking. And you know, and then they made goofy looking kids, yeah. and it's just there's nothing that goofy looking kid can do about it. But you know, when you're talking about these these radical feminists who are coming up with these laws or whatever, th- again, this is this is the lunatic fringe. Th- this is ex- an example of we can bring it back to the to, to the Islam debate. You know, yeah, th- 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 there are. I believe that these people are unreasonable and there are a lot of people in religion that are unreasonable and and i think that that these feminists who are pushing these laws are very similar to the to fundamentalists they are religious in their own way Mm -hmm. they have their own orthodoxy their own fundamentalism their own very strong ideas of what rape is and rape is anything anything that they deem it to be in this in this case they put rape they put uh somebody who didn't necessarily say they want to have sex on the same ground as somebody who was violently raped by some stranger in a parking lot at knife point whatever and it's the same kind of human some people have this need to be unreasonable to be fundamentalist in their beliefs and and it is in in its own way a prison of belief it is very similar to the kind of uh, in this, in the case we were talking about with Islam, f- the very similar mindset as a Islamic fundamentalist. Well, there's a lot of people who are angry. Look, there's a lot of men who are angry at women. Okay, the angry male movement, like there's the men's rights movement. There's a a, a lot of those guys are fucking very angry at women. There's a lot of the pickup artist movement. Oh God, those guys. There's a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. That I've, I've read forums, I've listened to these guys talk in videos, there's a lot of them that are clearly angry with women. And one of the big arguments, one of the big, uh, the, the big points of contention, the big things they're pissed off about, is them not being attractive to women. Because women want money, women want status, women want good looking guys, they want this, they want that. So these pickup artists are showing you ways to circumnavigate that. That's, right. That's ways, exactly right. Like there's this one video where this guy had long hair and he's trying to be like this cool guy. He's like, I don't give a fuck. If you're in a wheelchair, I saw I this. Get, have you seen this video? Because yeah, somebody said he should had a fuck. Yeah, he's somebody. He wanted he wanted to be in my podcast. I was it like, was fucking preposterous. Yeah. He's disgusting. And what these this idea is based on the fact that 
there's some people that just women don't find attractive and they feel like it's not fair. So they go out, they try to pick... They're going to manipulate their way into her pants. Well, they're trying to because yeah. otherwise they're not going to get in there. They're right. just not. Right. You know, and why? one of the reasons why a lot of this is an issue, and this is what's really fucked up, prostitution's illegal. Mm-hmm. And prostitution should be fucking legal. I agree. You know, and if prostitution was legal and it was sanctioned and women were tested... You'd have an outlet. You would have an outlet and men would, wouldn't have to like feel always that there's no way anyone's ever going to touch them. That's true. That's the, I mean, I but everybody wants to more. think that there's something awful and terrible about prostitution. Look, I don't want my daughter becoming a prostitute, but guess what? I don't want my daughter working at Wendy's either. I don't want my daughter being a waitress. If someone can give you a massage and a massage is totally legal, what is a massage? It's someone, they don't want to touch you, okay? They're touching you because you're paying them. That's right. And you feel good when they touch you. Why is that okay, but jerking you off is not okay? In Asian countries, they don't feel that way. And a, a matter of fact, in a lot of those countries, massage with a jerk off at the end is a natural part of massage. Or what about just a woman who 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 is willing to, for a certain price, fuck you she, she's in command of her own body mm-hmm. she's willing to engage in a transaction with you an economic transaction you want to touch this, on her terms. this? no problem it's on my terms no problem on her why terms, is that illegal and, and why can't she make her rate why, why can't exactly. she say look if you want to have sex with me if you're kind to me and you're nice I will have sex with you I want $5,000 right you know and she can have sex once a month and that's it and she doesn't have to work for the rest of the fucking month exactly she gets all of her bills paid and she's done Right. Where is she? No. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Sorry. But why is that? It's it's but it's the idea being that that person is a sicko. But we were talking about um, dominatrixes while we were uh, in in camp, and one of the things we were talking about was uh, like how weird it is that people like a lot of like really rich and powerful men, especially pay to get dominated by women. Like women will tie them up and fucking rope their balls to the ground and all that Mm -hmm. shit you were talking to me about, Mm -hmm. and. That's okay. Like somehow or another, that's okay. Like yeah. that falls because the guy is kind of being brutalized. Yeah. Like it's okay, even if it's like sexual. It's okay. It's like weird. Mm-hmm. But if it's just straight sex, you know, if the woman puts her mouth in the guy's penis for yeah. ten There's minutes, ejaculation, yeah. I guess, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What it's just well, that had doesn't that have it or its origins in. Religion. Religion, yeah. And so, again, th- this the is Puritan where- The Puritan nature of this country. Right. Yeah. And so that, that, again, is what I'm saying about we live in a very religious country in many ways. And whenever you look at Islam or you look at Christianity, I believe that the majority of people from any religion, if you really talk to them, they we have a lot more in common. Americans have a lot more in common with, I, I, bet, I bet, a lot of the average Arab- on the street or Afghani, if you really get them alone, a lot more in common than you think. I mean, my God, we want, I guarantee most of them want some say in who governs them. Most people have doubts about their religion. Most people don't want to see people suffer and be hurt, even though their religion might say you should stone somebody, etc., etc. Most people are reasonable. Most people are that way. And, and it is the loudest lunatic fringe that tends to sway the debate. Look at this country. Look at the parties, the Republican and Democratic Party. 
look at look at who really gets all the headlines. It's the loudest motherfuckers. Yeah, and it's also if you grew up in that environment, the reality is if that was your standard of behavior, if you were around people like those guys in that video, you know, how many of you belong to a regular mosque? Yeah. If you were if you were around that guy, you'd be like that guy. Yeah. That's the reality is we imitate our atmosphere. Or you and, or you would assume the position when you're in church, and then you go about your day and life is busy and you're like you know. And in that sense, uh, I can see, I, I, I totally see this pendulum swifting, shifting back and forth and this, this yes means yes. I, I kind of see the origins of it and I kind of see, like, uh, I see the whole thing from a, a larger perspective, but I just feel that as human beings trying to engineer our society, that what we should really be trying to do, if it is at all possible, is approach each other and approach these situations with kindness and compassion and dignity. love and dignity and and friendship the idea that we we could establish friendship and establish that people who are in certain situations do things that they regret whether it's a woman getting drunk having sex with a guy she didn't really want to have sex with after the fact when she realized like what have i done Whoa. and and but let's let's approach this with compassion right let's understand let's let's counsel these people to not get drunk and make poor choices let's not turn the men into rapists or use that term where there are real rapists there are people that fucking hate women and they want to hold them down and put a knife to their neck and fuck them just so they could say they did it because right. they're evil cunts right. those guys should be in jail but the guy who gets drunk and has sex with a girl who says uh, do you have a condom and the guy says yes and then texts her friend I'm coming over uh, I'm going to go have sex with this guy that's not rape no, it's, it's just, not it's just it's, not, it's not. called personal responsibility. And to say that this young 18-year-old guy is supposed to have more responsibility in that scenario than the 18-year-old girl is totally sexist, yep. completely it's unfair. illogical, it's unfair. totally unfair, and evil. It's yeah. evil. Yeah. That's really sexist. I mean, that's like one of the most sexist approaches to two human beings enjoying each other's company that I could even imagine. Because you're dealing with a completely even scenario. A guy and a girl communicating that they want to be together. The girl communicating to her friend. She's about to go have sex. Saying, I'm going to go have sex now. You know, Fr uh, Francis Fukuyama, who's the, gr is like, you know, heralded as this incredible um, intellectual, just wrote this book now, it's coming out, and, you know, he's just... He said that that if you look at history, it's it's been man's man's quest for dignity. Like every culture, every person, like that that's what people really strive for as nations, as people. Just the idea that they want some dignity, they want some governance over their own body, they want fair play, they want to be heard, they want to not be humiliated. All those things, and it's kind of an interesting thing if you think about it under under one word. What human beings really that human history has been sort of a march and a quest for dignity by peoples and by well, individuals. We're trying to engineer a more idealistic society. Yeah. Slowly but surely from the dark ages on to 2014 from the beginning of writing shit down on animal skins trying to establish a set of moral principles based on the word of God or Allah or Buddha or whoever the fuck you want. We're trying to figure out a way to do things better. Yeah. And that's what we're still that's doing. That's right. And so a law like this, the yes means yes. What are they trying to do? They're trying to stop sexual assault on campus, which is a real issue. I, I agree. And so are we. 
Yes. Right? But but it's a question of what your methodology is. Yeah. And whether you're creating more damage than good, whether you're being fair in this or not. And I think that's where the debate has to start. What What is the common goal? We don't want people to be raped. We all agree yes. with that if you're a reasonable all person and a good guy. And now the question is, what's the best way to do that? But how can anybody ever think that getting people to say... You know, like, say, okay, uh, do you want to have sex with me? Yes, I want to have sex. That's the only way to Gross. do it. Gross. What about, I want, I want romance, man. What about what the fun? What happened to movies? Yeah, what about the fun of it? Like, oh, my, holy shit, look what we're doing. This is crazy. The fun of kissing and then a girl reaches and grabs your dick and you're like, I can't believe you Oh, that's the it. best. You didn't say, are we going to have sex now? There was no conversation. No. Someone just, uh, you're kissing a girl and she just grabs your dick. It's one of the greatest moments in life. She's it down really for the is. count. It really is one of the greatest moments in life when you're not sure what's going to happen. You're young. You're a, kissing. I was on a date once with this girl, and she was. I thought it was done. I thought, well, whatever. I took her on a date, and I was trying pulling out all the stops, you know, talking about this, that, lying about celebrities I know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it was all going well, but she was like not impressed. And so finally, I was like, all right. So I was, it was in New York City. I was going to put her in a cab, and she goes, "You put me in a cab?" And I went, "What do you mean?" She goes, "So that's it." You put me in a cab. You, you, you're wimping out. I was like, never mind, cab driver. We're going up to my place. I was like, yeah. Those are the, some of the greatest moments of your life as a young man. <laughs> yeah. Those are some fucking good times. When it all works out. I mean, oh. there's, there's there's ones that work out terribly. There's ones that you get together and, you know, you, you know one person says something stupid and the other person oh, says something God. stupider. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck. We're in a fucking quagmire. Yeah. No one's getting out of this. This ain't going to work. Yeah. I mean, personalities clash and it's, you know, doesn't always work. But when it does work, God, it's magic. And to try yeah. to quantify that magic with a, a conversation of consent and people say well your romance is not as important as a woman's sexual sovereignty and you need to establish and Shut the, up. the fucking the, the really gross voices in this are, are not even the women because i think fundamentally a lot of women probably have a really hard time understanding the male urge just like fundamentally a man has a very difficult time truly conceptualizing the idea that a woman wants to get pregnant you know the, the urge to have a baby grow in your body is fundamentally a very difficult thing for a guy to wrap his head around yes and so when a woman wants to like do something that's illogical to, to sort of regulate male sexuality. I almost kind of understand it. I almost kind of look at it and I go, well, yeah, I guess they just don't, they don't, I mean, maybe they don't know what it's like to be a man, you know? Right. But when a man steps in and starts saying a bunch of really illogical shit, when a man starts being like taking radical feminist points of view, that shit becomes very offensive to me because then that's when I know wh what you're really doing is you're, you're trying to earn favor. Right. You're trying to establish this really unusually moral position. Social brownie points. Social brownie points. Yeah. Social brownie points. Hashtag social brownie points. Hashtag male feminists. And, you know, I mean, look, again, we both have... I don't want to call them feminists, but we both have what we call humanist values. Like, I think absolutely everyone should be treated equally in, in, in the law. Right. But we're not equal in society. No. We're just not. No. Just like we're not equal. Some you people and I are, are stronger, not, faster, whatever. Yeah. We're, some smarter. people are smarter. It's just yeah. the world is weird, man. Some people are tall. Some people are short. Some people are sexually attractive. Some people, people are not. We're not equally funny. Some people are not fucking funny. They never will be. No. Some people suck at math. I'm 
one of them. Some people, you know, there's like a lot of shit that's just not fair. Right. It's just the world. The world is weird. And when men come along and they want to establish some some weird fake male behavior rules, and I know what they're doing. When I know what they're doing, when I know they're saying things, they're making videos about, like, that, we talked about it on the Thaddeus Russell podcast, that Dear Woman video. You ever see the Dear Woman video? No. Oh, you've never seen it either? No. For real? <laughs> it's a, Jamie, pull it up one more time. One more, one more time, just to, for the folks at home that may not have seen it. It's these guys who no woman in their right mind would ever want to touch. And these guys are, these are apologizing, the guys who are apologizing for all yes. women. Oh, those guys are the Dear greatest. women. Have you seen it? Yes, yes, you yes. Have those, seen yeah, it. yeah. Okay. I've seen that. Never mind. Those yeah. guys are the perfect. You don't have to. Thank show you it, for your strength. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for your wonderful characteristics. We apologize for all the men who treated you poorly. Like what? Choking you when you asked to be choked when you get fucked. There's reality. <laughs> of those, course. Those men are traitors. Yeah. Those men are gender traitors, and all of them to a man or women, or or, or men that women want to wouldn't want to fuck. Right. That's what they're trying to sit or yes. there's a couple of them that look like players in there that are just taking that, you know, that stance. Bad guys. Imposters. They're creepers. Imposters. There's a lot of creepers out there, man, on both sides. Who, who is it like Dante in, in the in the Inferno said he goes that imposters when he created his image of hell, which was a cone, inverted cone and the very worst in the bottom of the center of the earth are, you know, murderers and, and, and sadistic killers and imposters. Imposters are actually down there with them. Cones. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that out there, man. There's a lot of, well, there's just a lot of, again, there's a lot of uneven in the world. Like, there's a lot of people that are these, remember when, you ever see Peter Schiff when he was at Occupy Wall Street? No. And there was a bunch of people that were uh, on Occupy Wall Street, and he had this video. Peter Schiff's a brilliant guy, economist, and I had him on the podcast. Fascinating. I don't necessarily agree with all of his points of view, but he's a very bright man, and he knows so much more about economics than I ever will. Right. And he was talking to these people. He set up a booth, like a stand, you know, and had a big sign that said, Ask a One Percenter. And uh, if you've never seen it, pull, pull that up because oh, it's fucking cool. amazing. And it's these people that are angry, man, but their ideas are so uninformed, yeah. poorly thought out, and easily picked apart. And one of them was like, why do you need so much money, man? He's like, I employ 100 people. Who do you employ? How many people do you employ? How many people do you help? Like, you're, you're asking me, why do I need so much money? Why do I make so much It's just capitalism. You're a capitalist, too. You're just not good at it. You know, like, you, do you pay money for food? Do you pay money for rent? Well, then you're a capitalist. Do you get paid for work? Do you get paid for work? Yes, you get paid for work. You're a capitalist. Like, you're just not good at it. Like, this right, is it's, incredible. It's amazing. Ask the 1%. And I agree with the sentiment, and I agree with the fact that you should be protesting. It's just my point is it's Washington that should be uh, the recipient of the protest. You guys should be marching on the White House and the Federal Reserve demanding your freedom back. Look, Steve Jobs just passed away. He made billions. How many people here have iPhones in their pockets? I feel you know? like you, what, you, yeah. what he, you want is... He's not a humanitarian. He's a businessman. My but dude, he enriched the lives of millions of people pursuing his own self-interest. I am not a ramp so that you can do an ollie in front of your camera. I actually want to have a conversation. The what? The 99% to 1% meme was just one meme out of many memes. What's a meme? I'm... I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, a popular turn of phrase. Okay. So the, 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 the catchphrase, 99%. This is not 99% Park. It's Liberty Plaza. And the 99% catchphrase is not definitive of everyone here. 
it makes sense why a popularity meme would be popular. I understand you have to make money, but there's got to be regulations because I believe in democracy, but I also believe in regulations. Right. The market has to grow at a sensible rate, right? It cannot grow too fast. Well, if the market grows too fast, it will crash. See, the regulation we want is the market. That's yes. the regulation that works. The same thing is with labor. A corporation just can't take advantage of its workers and pay them as little as it wants because businesses compete with one another to buy labor. Did a corporation end slavery? Well, Here we go. Did corporations what does slavery have to do with what we're talking about? We're saying we're saying what, there, there is a role for government in our society, and, and corporations yeah, well, look, cannot do everything. But slavery was wrong to begin okay. with, so let's no, not even... No. It was government that created Government is there to protect property, life, liberty, and, and that's, that's it. it. I mean, you mentioned Walmart, so what are you afraid that Walmart's going to do to you? What, what am I afraid yeah, they're going to do to me? What is Walmart doing? You should doing go that? and ask the employees that are working in sweatshop type conditions no, that don't get enough hours, that don't have health care. How wait, is wait a it? Okay. Then why don't they quit? I mean, Walmart doesn't hold a gun to their head. If if they can get a better job. So why did the rape victim get raped? What was she doing out late at night? Do you want to go back to 1920, 1930? What is this golden year that Republicans want to go back to? I don't want. What year? The 60s? The 70s? I don't. I don't want to go back to that technology, but I want to go back to that level of freedom. I want the level. There was more freedom for everybody. Women couldn't vote at some point. African Americans and others had to ride in the back of the bus. I'm telling you, you want to go back. There. Look, we don't want to go back. I'm telling there. you, there's more, there's more economic oh, there was, freedom. There was more economic freedom. Yes, but a what lot more. Social freedom and social justice. There's been memorials for Steve Jobs all over the place at every Apple store. Every, every, there's, there's reporters that are all around the world that never asked one single question to Steve Jobs when he was alive. Why are you manufacturing your iPhone? Yes in China and you don't have any and of your manufacturing here be, in the And United I'll tell States. you why, because we've made it- Do you think it, that's be, fair to the American people? Be, wait, the American people don't own those jobs. Steve no, no, no. Jobs has but, the right no, to no, manufacture where he wants. Like he does and, have a right to and, do it. And the problem is, we have made it too expensive for him to manufacture oh, here. Oh, we did. With our, we, the government. the American workers the, want too much? No, because the we government want too much put too much- Oh, it's the government's fault. remember. The reason that can, that, that employer, employers right yeah, yeah. want to lower wages yeah, yeah, yeah. is because their customers want low prices. Yeah. Everybody low in this park wants low prices. You no, can't have low no. prices. No, if, we don't. No, we don't. Do you believe that the federal government has a right to, to exist and to govern the lives of it American It has the people? right to exist, but not in the form it exists today. It's, it's operating outside the Do you the believe the EPA should be disbanded? I think it does a lot more harm than good. Do you believe the FDA yes. should be disbanded? Yeah, I'd like to get rid of it. What about the FDA? Uh-huh. The board, of of the board of Education? I think we should have, what, about, I want, what about the Board of Education? I want to get rid of the entire okay. Federal Department of Education. Yes, then, it is then, wasting our money, then, then, and it is running up the cost sir, of education. Sir, what I've learned... No, 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 let me finish. What I've learned over the years is to never argue with a fool. And I'm you, my fool. friend, are a fool. Okay, so I'm Thank foolish, you. right? You're so foolish. I just stumbled into stumbled all my wealth. It. I run how, all these businesses. How could you, how could you say? How could you disband the EPA and the EPA and the Board of Education? Because like, well, you're a fool. it's not the Board you're of an Education. Idiot. You're talking about you're the Department of Education. Wait, did I call you emotional arguments? No, you didn't. All right. Thirty percent of the homeless people in America are veterans. So when everybody says let we support the troops. That's a lie. You support the troops when they're out there getting killed or shot, 
but when they come home and they're homeless and they got no jobs, you don't support the troops. Well, I didn't even, and that's why. I, I, well, I didn't even support a lot of these wars well, that put I'm those troops over there in the we, first place. Let me but, shake your hand. We're in but, agreement. All right. There. This guy's great, though. This guy's shit. Government, you want to change and all that. What's but you guys thing? are the ones, or at least these guys here on Wall Street, are the ones that are funding all the campaigns and putting these people in power in the first place. Right. But and then you do so because you know that they will enact policies that you want, and then you also know that once they do that. And you become friends with them through campaign yeah. fundraising well, and all that. That is the problem. You, that they will let you in the government and you'll be like, hey, can I, can I be secretary of the treasury? If they had no power, there'd be no lobbying. They'd have be, there'd be nothing to give out. We don't want the government to be able to pick winners and losers to say, you get a bailout and you don't. You, get, you pay a tax and you get a subsidy. That is the problem. There's this one guy that I actually wanted you to focus on that was like, he was asking him, why do you need so much money? Like, why do you need? Yeah. Why can't you make, you know, $10 million instead of $100 million? You're talking about glass This is a... Uh other black dude. I think he had dreadlocks. Well, this is such an example of, of if you hold a, a point of view, it takes a long time to earn it. Do you care what the bank does with your money when you deposit it there? Do you care about the loans? I do. Why? Do you worry? Might not be in this. He might be a different one. He, there's a bunch of these videos out there. What a gutsy guy. I love that he did this, though. Uh, he's, he's got, is it two hours? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the wrong one. Um, there's uh, but, but, one that was a short clip. That's such a classic clip. example of, like, you might be angry, I understand, but it's exactly the great Thoreau quote. I see men everywhere hacking at the branches of evil while none are striking the root. And if you if you want to say something's evil, if it's Wall Street, if it's Big Pharma, if it's whatever, it's so crucial to to establish what you what kind of evil. And the way you figure that out is who is the real enemy? What is the root cause? That's why you've got to read. That's why you've got to earn your opinion. Otherwise, you're just shouting in the wind. And well, you're not just only that, you can't that have angle. a conversation like this where one guy has a microphone and he's going back and forth, handing it to you and to you, and you're well, doing yeah. it in a video clip, and yeah. you're saying, you know, I want to end this. I want to end that. I want to end the Department of Education. You're a fool. Oh, okay. Yeah, we didn't yeah. get anything done here. Yes. Two but people you, shouting their point yeah, of view. Yeah, I mean, to, to really establish what is wrong with the Department of Education, you have to have a long, nuanced conversation about what they're doing, where, how they're funded, what the problem yeah. is, how they subsidize college tuition so that it costs so much more for you to actually go to college, the reason why it's so goddamn expensive, and it would be different if this didn't exist. And you know, Talking to people who know their shit and reading the mm -hmm. right books who make a good argument is is how you get closer at least. Investigation over some time is how you get closer to figuring out where the real problems lie. Yeah, know? it's the emotions that flare up when people yes. start talking about things and they don't really have an educated opinion on them. They just go there because they know something's wrong. I equated Occupy Wall Street to like white blood cells. I'm like, they know there's an, an infection, so they all circle around this area of infection, but it's not That's noticeably really affected. It's a really, really good metaphor for that because... You're right. It was it was a combination of a lot of things. But it wasn't effective. It's like they yeah. got there and they're like, "This is a fucking infection. We're white blood cells." Yeah. But nothing really got done other than expo well, one thing did get done. It, it opened up the dialogue. But the dialogue was already opened up and people understood the bailout. People yeah, started and when paying they were, attention and when to the bailout. And when people got bro went broke and didn't know why. Yeah. You know, but but yes, it, it, it's 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 why, you know, there are some very important and very challenging problems in the world. And there are people out there that are coming up with good answers. But unfortunately, and one of the things that's beautiful about a podcast, what I try to do with mine, and what you certainly do with yours, and to it very good, is that a lot of really good ideas are stuck in books. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
the technology podcasting if it's done responsibly a lot of other a lot of other venues but especially is how you get those ideas out of those books most of us don't have that much time to read man we don't and i sympathize with that i get it it's really hard to formulate an educated opinion on shit you and i know that mm -hmm. you know like how many opinions did we have when we started doing podcasting and then i'd get corrected on this podcast my podcast i'd come up with a point of view and say something and people would be like by the way uh you're a little bit wrong on this and i'd go i've been holding that belief for 10 fucking years mm -hmm. And when you start to really investigate and try to come up with a really sound, strong, political philosophy, business philosophy, life philosophy, it takes a lot of fucking work yeah, and, and trial it's hard. and error. It's hard to let go of opinions. But don't stop trying to come up with the answer. A lot of people do not ever want to let go of their opinions. Once they have that opinion, that motherfucker is locked in. Because they form an emotion around it. That's why. Because it's exactly like talking to somebody when you see a religious person talk to an atheist. The atheist says, God doesn't exist. The religious person goes, wait a minute. My religion gives me a feeling. And a very good feeling. It makes me feel like there's purpose and meaning in my life. This guy's attacking that. And then it becomes about that. It becomes not about right. religion. It becomes you're trying to take the feeling mm -hmm. I have away from me. Yes. Fuck you. Well, it's and that's also, why opinions are very hard to let go of. Yeah, it's, all, it's also when people are having conversations, a lot of times they're not just expressing each other and exchanging information or expressing themselves exchanging information. They're also trying to win. You know, yes. They're trying to be yes. the one with the correct information. They're trying to be the smarter person. Yes. And sometimes they're doing it about stuff they don't really fucking have any information about. Yeah. But they're still in there swinging, like flailing away I like a person who time. doesn't know how to fight, who gets in fights. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a person yes. who doesn't know how to fight? We all have. Yes. I've, I've talked about it on this podcast, this terrifying scenario that happened one night in front of the comedy store where I saw this guy get in a fight with this guy who didn't have any fucking skill at all he didn't know what to do he didn't know how to handle panic and he was he has eyes closed and he was flailing and a bus pulled in front of him i couldn't see what happened you know because you know they were yeah. fighting on one side of the street and the bus blocked my vision and then when the bus passed he was out cold on the concrete oh, so obviously yeah. somebody punched him but yeah. the guy didn't know how to fight but yet he was still fighting yeah. and some people will get in arguments about some shit they don't have any information yeah. about they don't have nothing yeah. But they have a point. They have an opinion, yeah, that, and an attitude that is based on something that happened to them, an emotional thing. We all have some of that in us. Yeah, I certainly do, and I've worked very hard to try to let go of that shit when I'm in an argument. And I sometimes I have to check myself and go, "Man, I'm arguing to be right here because this person's attacking something else inside of me. I'm not even aware of, yeah, or whatever." And you see it in relationships. I got to, I got to check myself in my relationships sometimes. Yeah. we'll just start having an argument, and I'm just pissed off and i want to have an argument because right. i I'm, i feel like i want to be right about this subject and when i take a step back a lot of times it's really hard to do but it's really important sometimes you go you know what i actually don't know that much yeah and sometimes about. someone will say something crazy to you and instead of saying wait a minute why'd you say you'll say something crazy back mm -hmm. and the next thing you know it's a fucking avalanche of crazy mm -hmm. both of you are swinging swinging into the air and yeah. emotional and fucking can't breathe good it's also really <laughs> fuck it's also really important to identify what you mean by x yeah what do you mean by god what do you mean by religion? Right. What do you mean by first? Before we start, let's let's know what we agree on. And it's I, I like po politics. I love the argument now that I have with politics is this: I don't talk about Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. I like the question of we know that you need some governance. Of course, you need some governance in a society. The, the debate really revolves around to what percent? How much? How much do you want government running your lives? There's an answer. 
and some people want more, there's just an answer. To what degree, in what aspect? It's a complicated question, but start the debate and the discussion that way, and you'll get it further along. I like having my mind changed. I like having my mind changed. I like listening. Like, you were talking the other day, and you were explaining, like, where technology was going, and I had a lot of opinions because I've been reading the same shit. I was about to jump in with a bunch of my points as well, but then I was like, wait, let me just listen to this. And I learned some shit that I, I didn't know before. It's a new thing for me, man. It's a new thing for you? A little bit, like to really listen and key into what somebody's saying and say and look for something new and look for something that you might not know instead of trying to add to the conversation. Hey, by the way, guys, this is something I know as well. We all do that. We fucking do that all the time. Everybody yeah. does it. Oh, Joe's saying this. Let me add let me add this to it. Let me put a cherry on that Sunday for you guys to show you that I'm also knowledgeable and smart, you know? Instead of just keying in, maybe not saying anything. You know what I like? You know, I like what answer I like from people a lot of times. What do you think of this? And a lot of people go, I don't know. It's a good answer. It's a good answer. It's, a good it's very answer. important. Very good it's answer. very important. Yeah. Being able to say you don't know, that's like, why is that hard for people? It's hard because we equate our knowledge, like how much knowledge we have with Strength. how strong Strength. we are. Yeah. And, and we I all, don't know. Sounds our, weak. Our, our per, yeah, and our personal, you know, the, our personal opinion of ourselves. But it, we're coming to find out, especially in this day and age. That's one of the good things about things like Google. You can't know everything. You cannot. I've had fucking conversations with people where they seem fairly intelligent, and then they'll say something. They'll want to have a conversation about martial arts, and they'll say something so off base and so ridiculous that now I have to question everything that they've said before. Because <laughs> yeah, you've just I've stepped into my world, yes. and you stepped into my world acting like you know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, I go, well, how many of these other things you've told me are bullshit too? That's so disappointing. I've had that happen to me, where people will say something, and you go, "You're really smart at a lot of stuff," and you just stepped into it. A different arena. You're you're a you're in the middle of the ocean with no boat right now. It's one of the few things where I'll just completely stop the conversation. I go no, no, stop. Yeah, I just I I, I get offended mm. when people start talking about like chi and you know it's about it's about your centering your energy and some people can't be pushed over. Please shut the fuck Stay up. Stay in your lane. You want to see something amazing though that is real, some real martial arts shit that is kind of like magic? Yes. Jamie, there's a video on my um, uh, Twitter feed that's from today, and it was from a long time ago, from I think it was the 1950s, this fucking old man doing judo with his top students. And this old dude is like, I don't know how old he is at the time, but he's fucking old. He's old and it's he's he's really frail looking. Go full screen on this. This is fucking incredible, man. I mean, is is really incredible to watch. Does it say how old he is in this video? Yeah, he looks like a skeleton. Tenth Dan preparing to challenge. Uh, he's, he's preparing for a challenge with high level students. Now watch, watch what the fuck happens, man. This is a tiny little old man, and. This isn't bullshit, okay? I know bullshit, and I know choreography. I'm watching this judo, and these guys are really trying to throw this dude. But check this out. Look at this whole dude. Whoa. Amazing. Just perfect technique. Look how his legs go flying up in the air. Look at this. How he resists the technique. Look at that. Effortless almost. This guy's trying to throw him. Fuck yeah, he is. He's trying to throw him, but the old man knows exactly how to position himself. Watch. Look. See? Damn. He, go he goes behind the hip every time. It's Amazing. Amazing. And watch these, these young guys, these young black belts are watching this. This guy is old as fuck. He's much smaller, but watch how he throws him. It's incredible. 
He finds the moon. Look at this. Look at this. Every time he tries to throw him. Look oh! at this. Boom. And then he, they bow to each other. And then the next guy comes along. And this guy is fucking tiny, man. This old dude is... Pr I mean, I don't know how big the other guy is, but he's significantly smaller than the other guy. It's hard because we're not standing there in perspective, but we're watching this little old man get ragdolled. That's crazy. But when he gets picked in the air, look at how he just goes with it. I mean, he look, that guy fucking tried so Damn. hard. And the old man just, just flowed with him. Just got behind his hips and stayed relaxed. Look at that. Relaxed. Stay relaxed. The guy tried to He's use really the same He's really trying move. to throw him. You can oh, see fuck it. Fuck yeah, he is. 100%. But look at this. Boom! The old man waits for his moment and throws him. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It's amazing to watch. And Judo... He's like water, man. Judo is one of the roughest when it comes to like martial arts on your body. So watching this old, really old man throw these young cats around is incredibly impressive because of the fact that it's so physically dependent. I mean, you see, like, the really great judokas, like, like look in the UFC, like Hector oh, Mumbar. Look at that. Oh, Boom. Oh. The old dude sent that guy flying. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, these are... <laughs> oh, shit. It's incredible, right? Whoa, this is fucking amazing. Ama look, look at look that. At look, how, like a, look how he goes like with it. It's like a movie. Yeah, look how he goes with it when the guy tries to throw him. He just goes. He's in perfect position every time. Well, his hips, yeah. He just His hips are... It's, it's positioning. Look at that. Ooh. Boom. Like... I was going to say, and these, by the way, these are, oh man, I don't know what kind of floor that is, but that's not like modern fucking matted floors. It's like wood. It's probably hard as shit. Like Hector Lombard, like a physical specimen, Ronda Rousey, physical specimen. Mm. And these are like great judokas that are in mixed martial arts today, you know, and there's a lot of like their explosion, their ability to close the distance and execute techniques that can be attributed to this power and athleticism. This old dude ain't got none of that, no. man. Because judo, if you watch it, like to, in the Olympics, it's so explosive. It's like boom. It's like yeah, so quick. It's amazing. And this dude's like water. He's literally like a ghost. Yeah, it's it's incredible, man. It's I incredible mean, to watch. Have you ever seen me dance? Show up some videos. I would. I really wish no, I knew more about this dude. How when this was filmed? This. What is this called? This uh, video. It says amazing old judo throw defense. The guy's name is Mufuni. M-I-F-U-N-E. Accepts challenges from high-level students. It's incredible. Look at I mean, this. That guy's how, really trying, oh, dude. Of course he is. Of course he is. I mean, you could see the effort. And he's doing the right thing, too. I mean, the guy who's trying is a fucking high-level judoka himself. Like, look how he's throwing these techniques. He's trying these hip tosses, and he's not getting anywhere with it. He's got a ridiculous haircut, that guy. The old, look at this. The old guy just, he keeps getting behind his hips. You see how he places yeah, yeah, his yeah. weight every time? Yeah. It's just, look, look at, at this. Oh, shit. Look at that. <gasps> oh, my Timing, God. man. He can see his opening. What but are you? That guy is a one, is a first Dan. He's a first degree black belt. And this guy's an eighth degree black belt here. But the old man's a 10. So this guy right here is like probably the highest le level student that he's uh, done it against in this video. But it's just, it just shows how technique is everything. It's so fucking important. And athleticism with great technique is almost 
unbeatable. That's one of the reasons why a guy like Lombard is so good. Is because he has both of those. His technique is. I wonder flawless. what Lombard would say if he saw this. Like, w- what Be his amazed. point of view? Well, view. judokas are very proud of judo. You know, yeah. like judo. Gene Labelle's very proud of it. And Ronda's proud of it. You know, judo is a fucking hard martial art, man. It's hard on the body. Very difficult to learn, and it, r- it requires a great deal of understanding. Mm-hmm. Understanding of the mechanics of the body and leverage and. Ronda, Ronda told me she was like 11 and her she broke her toe and she was crying and her mother made her run laps. Her mother goes, you might break your toe in competition. Run laps. She was just like, you know, she's a little badass. <sighs> her mother's a hard woman. Yeah, but look what she created. Oh, she created a, the, an extreme winner. You know, what's interesting I is love her. Ronda is going to, uh, you know, she's going to defend her title against uh, Kat Zingano. Yep. And if she beats Kat Zingano... Um, Cyborg is scheduled to fight as a 135 pounder for the first time in December in Invicta. Invicta was, is an all-female mixed martial arts league. And Cyborg is the 145 pound champ. She's dropping down to 135 for the first for time. It's fucking very hard cut. <sighs> but like a lot of these people that maybe did some questionable things that made them get larger, mm-hmm. maybe something, they lose weight. And then they become smaller, and you know, I mean, different, maybe it'd, different human being. Maybe it'd be easier for her now yeah. to drop that weight. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it's um, it's certainly a very, very fucking compelling matchup because Cyborg. Well, there was a picture of her and her husband uh, from behind, mm-hmm. and her back was about as wide as her husband's, and her husband was a stud. I mean, he was a wide, thick, strong. She's a guy. big gal. Yeah, big, thick gal. Yeah. But, you know, if you do hardcore cardio, like marathon running and shit like that, your body will automatically shed start that kind to of weight. shed, you atrophy the muscle, right. you're going to start sh- slimming down. Just change your diet. You can force yourself to lose weight. Y- I mean, you can only force yourself to lose a certain amount and still be athletically competitive. But she's still doing strength and conditioning exercises. She's still doing all sorts of things that build muscle. And if she didn't, if she really wanted to drop down to 135 pounds, she would have to diminish her body mass. Who, who that you know, fighter-wise, I was thinking about BJ Penn, but who you know who's really done the fought in the most drastic weight categories? Like who's BJ's stand? the most. Yeah. BJ fought heavyweight and then fought featherweight. He fought. How much did he weigh when he fought heavyweight? He fought. Um, he was probably 190 something. He wow. f- maybe maybe he was a little bit heavier than that. But when he fought Leota Machida, Machida was over 205. So Machida was technically a heavyweight. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what Machida weighs. BJ's but not tall. I mean, he's no. short. And, he's a know. fucking animal, though. In his best, in his prime, he was a fucking animal. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's probably the the biggest example of, of a high-level guy that's fought. I mean, and obviously Machida went on to be the light heavyweight champion and is a contender right now in the middleweight division, and BJ just fought as a featherweight. So it's fucking, he's got the most drastic change. Was there any follow-up as to, like, a lot of people were really surprised by when he was fighting Frank, Frank Edgar in this last fight, he his feet were so close together mm-hmm. and he was on his toes. It was very strange. Yeah. Was there... Was there ever a, an, was that ever addressed by yeah. him or by anybody else? Yeah, he said he was trying to uh, conserve energy, and then he decided that that was a stance that he was going to adopt because, in keeping his legs wide and like pushing off with his legs, that it would require too much energy. Mm. He's always had a problem with stamina. Mm. You know, that's that's been his problem. I mean, he was he was ferocious in the first round of the second fight with Matt Hughes or the thir- third fight, second fight, yeah. whatever fight he lost, second fight, third fight he knocked Matt Hughes out. He was ferocious in the first round and then ran out of gas in the second. Matt Hughes started beating him down in the second round. And it was because Matt Hughes was in better shape. 
BJ at his best was when he was training with the Marinoviches because uh, Marinoviches were fucking animals when it came to strength and conditioning, and they got him in unbelievable shape. Yeah, he was just shredded. He had abs. He's fighting 155 pounds. He was strong, and like when he beat. Uh, Joe Stevenson when he beat uh, Diego Sanchez at 155 pounds he was the best he was at his best and he yeah. was just in incredible shape he was a monster that, but it was conditioning just you know lives a good life he lives in Hawaii he's got plenty of money he's a hero he goes to Hawaii everywhere he goes BJ yeah, BJ he's awesome they love him yeah. it's very difficult for a guy that lives in silk sheets to get up and go to war every day that's the reality of life. Yeah. It's hard. And yeah. a, a really loved guy who also is supremely physically talented. People don't know that He's a prodigy. BJ, yeah. you know, that nickname, the prodigy, it came because he won the world championships after three years so of training ridiculous. in jiu-jitsu. But I've heard other fighters like Eve Edwards and those guys tell me that they'd never seen anybody pick up a technique that quickly. Yeah. So when you're an MMA fighter, you know, like picking up a technique, whatever it might be, it takes a, you got to drill it, it takes a long time, man. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can take up to a year or, you know, four months, five months. That dude could see it twice, and it was part of his repertoire. Well, he was, you know, I don't want to say he was a natural fighter, but that was something that he had a lot of passion for, and he was very <laughs> focused about it, and it came, it pr came pretty quickly to him. But there's a lot of other guys that have uh, slowly dropped weight. And McVitor fought as heavy as 240 at one point in his career. Yeah. When he fought Randy Couture, I think he was like 240-something. Yeah. And now so he's much thinner now, man. He's, now that he's off the TRT... He, you know, he's really looking thin. It's just like there's been a lot I've of people. said his frame was like 180. I mean, if you look at his hands and feet, they're not big. No. Well, there's a lot of people that think he can make welterweight, wow. especially now that he's off TRT. 170. Yeah. Yeah. There's videos of him working out. There's a recent video on his Instagram, and uh, it went on the underground. Like people were looking at it, and like, they're like, seriously, I'm not bullshitting. I think he could be a welterweight. I mean, look at some welterweights, like. Okay, here's a perfect example. Carlos Condon. He's a big boy, you know? Look at some of the guys. Like, okay, Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley is a big fucking guy. He's yeah. thick as shit, and he manages to get down to 170. Vitor doesn't look that big. Not now. What is um, Carlos Condon weigh, you think, on the offseason? He's probably bordering in the, the 90s, like gets around 190, close to it, 15 pounds, 20 pounds over the weight limit. Handsome kid, too. Good-looking guy. Yeah. He's um, recovering from knee surgery. Tore his ACL against Woodley. He's so damn good. Carlos Condit is just so good. Yeah. And talk about conditioning. That dude will fight a five-round fighter. I don't know if he had, has he fought a five-rounder. Yes. Was, he fought GSP as a five-round yeah, fight. Yeah, and, and you know he just he just is going practically at the same pace. Well, we were watching Rory McDonald knocked out Tarek Safadine this <laughs> week, and we were watching the highlights of it. Robin. God. My friend Robin Black, who also has been on the podcast, did a breakdown of it, and uh, he did an awesome breakdown of it and really highlighted some of the uh, the things that Rory did really well in that fight and the things that Safadine did to try to like throw Rory off that didn't work. But uh, Rory McDonald's another one at 170 that's fucking terrifying and uh, interesting, interesting guy, man. You know, was training with GSP for a long time, and then as they got further along in their career, it started getting the talk about yeah, like these guys fighting. might eventually fight. Now that GSP's retired, and he's like one of the number one contenders now. He's that was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. His his ability to stand there with Safadine and <sighs> beat him at his own game. I mean, beautiful. Uh, it's just incredible. I mean, you look at what Safadine when Safadine fought fought Nate Marquardt, how well he did against Marquardt, yeah. and then see Rory pick him apart like that. <sighs> it's incredible. Check the leg kicks, stand 
stay on the outside and delivering his own leg kicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. God. yeah, amazing. And that jab and that oh, just the way he knocked him down. Yeah, that. Rory's a motherfucker. Yeah. It's, a, it's such an exciting sport. But it's another thing we were talking about in camp it was really interesting. Where we were talking about um, the reality of these guys damaging themselves. You know, like Brian and I were at the airport yesterday in Seattle and we were watching a football game and we don't particularly watch football that often so we we're watching it which just all I could see was these guys heads colliding that's all, just tonk those helmets colliding with each other and all I could think about was that recent NFL study that showed that 76% of deceased NFL players 76 out of 79 had brain injuries like significant 76 brain. out of 79 brains they studied had significant yeah. brain injury significant yeah. brain damage well then you're starting to see it you see Tony Dorsett and you see these guys trying Joe to, Montana trying to talk really yeah I he's having yeah he's having issues with his memory yeah um uh what's the fucking guy yeah, Brett Favre is having real issues, right? Um, well, yeah, Brett Favre never took a day off. I mean, Brett Favre had the longest run. I mean, he was the Iron Man. I mean, he was fighting. He was getting knocked on his ass by the biggest, toughest guys. Never broke a bone. I mean, he was just the Superman. Got addicted to painkillers, I believe, for a while. That yeah. is no surprise. I mean, th- that guy put himself through punishment like no football player I, I've ever seen. I mean, he was Who's the guy from the Chicago, Chicago Bears from the 80s? Uh, oh, Jim, Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. Yeah. Jim McMahon's got some serious issues now. And he talks about how sometimes he'll be in his house and he'll have no idea where what he was about to do or where he's going. He, knows, he just doesn't know what he's doing. He's just standing there like, what am I doing? Jesus. Yeah, and he was uh, on a sports radio show and he was talking about it in depth. It was a cover of Sports Illustrated. Him and his issues. It soured me to the game, I'll be honest with you. I used to watch football all the time, and the more I learn, I'm like, I don't really want to, I don't know. Don't but what about MMA? See. Um, Because, look, we'll, let's be realistic. I feel like it's not as, uh, it's that I feel like, and it's changing because of training, but I feel like the head trauma isn't as sustained, it isn't like football or boxing. Am I wrong? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's um, especially because so much emphasis is on stand-up these days. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, uh, there was a recent inter- interview um, with um, Dan Hardy, and Dan Hardy was talking about, uh, you know, Dan had a heart condition, not a real heart, like it's, it's, it's a very controversial situation where he's very fit and healthy, but he has like an extra heartbeat, something wolf condition, I forget what it's called, but he was talking about how when he was fighting, it was a lot of wrestlers that were dominating the 170-pound division, and now there's a lot of kickboxers. Now you got Roy McDonald. Now you got you know Robbie Lawler. You got a lot of strikers, Knocking a lot of stand-up strikers. Just you with yeah. fucking bombs. Well, guys who can wrestle and they can do all those things, but a lot of kickboxing techniques are starting to dominate these contests. And when you're training a lot of kickboxing, you got a lot of head injuries. There's a lot of head trauma that's going on both in training and in fights. It's always changing too. I mean, I, I've never seen the block that Rory McDonald was using. That, that high elbow block. Never seen that. Very in, smart. In very, well, it's very smart to avoid um, strikes to the head, especially if you know that a guy is throwing head punches. You know, and a lot of these guys, they're they're not throwing the type of like really long form combinations that you'll see high level Muay Thai or high level uh, Dutch kickboxers throw. They're throwing one or two techniques, and a lot of it's because you're worried about takedowns. You're what we're seeing is just an evolution of the game. We're yeah. seeing seeing the sport evolve. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm a huge fan, but it concerns me. Brain damage is a very very uh, it's a very real thing, and there's no turning back. That's what bugs me the most. You could blow you, could your you knee out. Could you put on? 
Could you, you bigger gloves? I mean, no, that's not going to help. That may, might even hurt. Actually, yeah. the, the solution might actually be no gloves. That might be a better solution when it comes to head trauma because you can't hit as hard without breaking your hands. You have to be much more selective in the, your punch placement. You go out faster in a weird way too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. well, I don't know about that. I think you probably go out harder and faster with the UFC gloves because they pad your knuckles, so you can punch harder. Mm. You know, Jesus. and you also you're supporting the wrist. You're taping the wrist down. I think um, realistically, you shouldn't be able to tape your wrists. You should be able to tape your hands. And I think that would probably be one of the best ways to protect against head trauma. You still, though, it's like, you know, you know as well as I do, you put on headgear and you get hit with mm-hmm. somebody's wearing boxing gloves. You're sparring, you get hit, you got headgear. I wear a bar. They call me a pussy. I got a bar. I get hit just in the top of the head. I got a headache. Yeah. Why? Because my head got jammed back and my brain was, you know. Mushed around. Yeah, and I was like, what am I doing? Even Shab, Brendan Shaw was like, are you, what are you doing? You really want to do this? You're not a fighter. You're an actor. Why are you sparring? I was like, oh, I don't know. Because you're I an idiot. Be, I'm an idiot. I want to just do this. He's like, he literally, when, when an MMA fighter and he's your friend comes up and goes, you don't, what are you doing? You don't yeah. need to do this. Maybe you should stop. Oh, you mean I'm 47? Yeah, okay. I think I will. Well, you should go see Brian Callen and see this idiot in action. <laughs> see, at his best. Uh, yeah. October 16, 17, and 18 at the Atlanta Improv. And, Can't uh, wait. Yeah, it would be awesome. Do you know who's working with you? Local guy? Leo Flowers, a uh, really funny comic coming down to feature for me, and uh, I'm excited. Just go to BrianCallen.com. BrianCallen, B-R-Y-A-N.com. B-R-Y-A-N, Callen, C-A-L-L-E-N.com. Yeah. And uh, I'm at the Tower Theater in Philadelphia, August, uh, October rather, 17th with Ian Edwards, and I'm at the Warner Theater October 18th with Ian Edwards in Washington, D.C. That's it. Lots of podcasts this week. I got Honey Honey, Anthony Cumia is going to be here, and Keith Weber as well, the uh, the guy from the kettlebell cardio workout that I, that I talk about so much that I love. He'll be here. Ooh. So uh, until then, enjoy your lives, my friends, and it's great to be back at Civilization. Big kiss. See you soon. Peace. Peace.